And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to Jedi's and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Bad Batch. In this episode, The Batch finds themselves cornered on a treacherous terrain by their old teammate, Crosshair. There will be... Cad Bane is back, y'all, in his little Toto too. We're talking about The Bad Batch Episode 8 Reunion this week. How are you doing, Chris? Good. I had a great week, too. Mostly yesterday was fantastic. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about it last week. That's how the interview goes, but it's already happened. And it's already out. Yeah, out. yeah. Um, so yesterday I got to how interview... How was it for you, though? <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Yesterday I got to interview Matt Brately, uh, the creator of Amphibia. Which was bananas and crazy (laughs) that it still happened. Um, But he was so nice. And it went by so fast. Like, I was just... It was like 25 minutes of my life just, like, blurred by. And I was just like... (laughs) It just went by so fast. Um, But he was just so, so nice. And I could easily talk to that man for, like, two hours. And, like, pick his brain because... Like, we're from the same generation, so, like, we're very familiar with the same things. Like, like I mentioned Digimon, and he was like, oh, my God, let's talk about the Myotismon arc. And I was like, that's exactly the arc that I feel like you were inspired by. He was like, oh, my God, it was. And then we talked about Digimon for, like, three minutes, and I was so happy. Um, but he was just super-duper nice, and it was, it was just really flattering because I found out that, like, when they were putting together this, like, because Amphibia is about to end. Um, so it's actually, by the time this episode come out, it might already be, be ended. Um, so they're doing like all these like big PR pushes. And apparently when he was putting the, together, like this together, he asked Disney to reach out to us cause he's been reading my reviews and that's just so crazy to think about. <laughs> like I have no concept of this. Um, and they reached out to us at the waffles and it's just all kind of crazy. And I will say, like, one funny thing was, because, like, before we started recording, like, we were asking, like, the nice Disney lady, um, and we were just like, hey, so, like, do we need to hold this interview? Like, how, like, when can we publish this? And she was like, well, you know, you guys are going to talk about the episode, right? And I went, what episode? And she goes, didn't you get a screener? And my exact response was, I get a screener? <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, you didn't get it. I was like, no, I get a screener? And Matt's laughing. He's like, oh, no, how are we going to talk about the episode? I was like, well, I wrote all my questions not knowing I was going to get an episode. So, yeah, it's fine. So I've already I've already seen um, the three armies at the beginning of the end. Um, I guess I can talk about it here because the episode's already out, too. And it was really good and it was fun. And it was just kind of this like surreal experience of just being like, I have a screener. Like, and I'm talking to, like, a creator of a show, like, this is where my life is at, and it's kind of weird that I'm here, because 
it just sort of fell into my lap. I didn't ask for any of this, and it's really cool. <laughs> and I don't know what to do with myself because this needs to go to someone like someone else, not me. And it was just it was just such a lovely experience the whole time. And he was just so nice and funny. And he was like he loved talking about his family and. It was just, it's a I, good thing that they decide who 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 gets the interview and not you because you wouldn't have given it to yourself. It sounds like. Well, because the, the the very funny I don't, I can't remember if I talked about this last week or not, but like when because Matt a few weeks ago had like sent me like a message like a comment on Twitter and he was like I just hope you know like I read these every week and I and I appreciate them and I was like oh my god, so I was talking with Arzu and Candice in like our our DMs and. I was like, maybe I'll reach out to him like once the show's over and stuff like that to see if we can get an interview. And we're still say is no. And like two days later, we got the email. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was just like, cause like I was, it was just one of those things. I was just like, you know, he's busy and I don't want to bother him. And like maybe once the show's over, like I'll reach out to him and see if we can set it up and that'd be cool to do. But I wasn't gonna like make it a priority because I was like, eh, I'm just a person, whatever. And he was just so nice. I just, uh, he was very lovely and I really appreciated the time that he took to talk with me and I don't get to talk Digimon with people. So I was just like, oh my God, I could talk for hours about Digimon. <laughs> I was like, don't, don't hyper fixate on this. Focus on the frogs. So it was, it was a lot of fun and I, I had a really good time and, it, and it's definitely out now by the time this episode comes out. So uh, if you want to hear the interview, go check out the Geeky Waffle YouTube or the Geeky Waffle podcast, because it's on both by now. So, how was your week, Chris? It was good. It was, uh, it was, it was bizarre. The the week started out um, bizarre, beautiful. Yeah, it started out. It was uh, on on Tuesday. I was at, at work in shorts. And oh, like went, weather and today, bizarre. Today it was, yeah, today it was, uh, it was, or, well, Monday I was there in shorts, and today there were snowflakes in the air as we were riding into work. Well, so, so. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the bizarre was going to be like, um, like, like last week, you were, you went off this whole thing about like, yeah, we found out this guy's like porn history, and I was like, is that that kind of bizarre? But it's no, it's snowflakes. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's sort of that that that's that's sort of well. There's there is an update on that that the 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 he he um, wrote a column about how he was his mother was mentally. Uh, he basically started out his column going like, um, "I'm probably a narcissist and move and that's moved into the sociopath <laughs> uh, uh, level." And uh, then started said, you know, did the whole I have a problem. I'm I'm going to seek mental help and talked about his his history. His mom had mental illness and was in a hospital most of her life. And um, he was he he had attempted he he claims to have attempted suicide and not to underplay what happened. But like his suicide attempt was one one afternoon he walked out and in the in the woods and was walking around the woods and decided to lay down in the snow till he died because he heard you would like freeze to death and go to sleep and then he laid down in the snow for a few hours till he heard his mom calling for dinner and then went home and had dinner <laughs> so it sounds like 
you know, it wasn't it wasn't like a trip to the hospital or anything like that. But but he was suicidal or he was having suicidal thoughts or whatever. You know, I'm getting way too deep into this, but you know, he he detailed his whole history and and uh and then just went back to doing his show as normal. So that's where it stands now. <laughs> The guy who got information on him has more women are releasing different texts that that he's sent them over the years too. So there's more stuff coming out, and uh, and his I think his marriage is over. <laughs> and, awesome. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, we do have a tiny bit of news, and I have a little speculation about this news too. Oh. So today, hold on, let me. Hold on, hope forgot to bring up the same Charles. So today, um, they released all the panels for celebration coming up. And so actually by the time this episode comes out, it'll be right before celebration. So this is very timely. For for once our news is timely, Chris. Um, how, how about that? And one of the panels is called Live from the Celebration Stage, and it's going to have uh Amy Radcliffe with special guest Dave Filoni. And it's to talk about Tales of the Jedi animated anthology shorts. And, okay. And so that's that's all we got is uh, to, to read it. Oh, I lost my comeback here news. My thing is his live on the celebration stage, stream to the galaxy and twin sun stage, introduce Tales of the Jedi, introducing Tales of the Jedi animated anthology shorts hosted by Amy Radcliffe with special guest Dave Filoni. That's all we know. But that tells me that, hey, we have a new animated series coming. And it makes me wonder if it's going to be because Star Wars Visions was anthology shorts and that was excellent. Or is it going to be a lot more along the lines of like Galaxy of Adventures or. um, Right. But I I think by by this kind of announcement, it's going to be more in line with um, Star Wars Visions, kind of like those longer anthology shorts. I hope so. I like that. I like that format a lot better than than the the, the little shorty shorts. shorts. The little shorty shorts. They're. I mean, they're cool. They're fun they're for fluff. kids. They're fluff. Yeah. They're. They. I mean. Yeah. They're. They're. They're fluff, 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 fluffy. Fluffy. And I mean, how how deep can they be? And I. I don't, Maybe they are doing something like visions, but with just other animation. How you know. May, you know, maybe maybe it'll be European animation houses, or maybe it'll be American. You know, like the Dave School or something like that. You know, and or or just like, you know, because they could. There's there's those guys that have the big. They I can't remember the name of their show, but they're they're um, um, digital animators, and they do you know they do digital animation work, but they do a show where they talk about other talk about movies and speculate on how they did the effects and what works and what doesn't work and then they do stuff themselves but like you know those those would be the kind of guys you'd want to read and they're all big star wars fans too so they're big nerds so you know go to hey can you guys make a you know 15 minute short for us or well here's the other interesting thing that got me really excited about it and i will say this is all speculation um, but it's something that's new. 
So one of the guests at Celebration is Charles Soule. This is not a surprise because he's one of the High Republic writers. But he's also like written like my favorite run of Darth Vader and he wrote the Rise of Kylo Ren. And, he, and he's written like a lot of like stories for Star Wars. But being one of the lead writers of the High Republic, what's interesting is my friend Maggie um, noticed Charles' bio is different and it has been updated. So along, it, it lists all this stuff like he's like worked on like Darth Vader and blah, blah, blah. But then it says he was a primary architect for the hugely successful Star Wars The High Republic Initiative and works as a creative consultant for Lucasfilm. That's new. The fact that he is a creative consultant. And then Charles wrote a tweet saying, guess this is getting out there. Very excited about this new role. It's been a blast so far and is letting me do some really cool stuff in a galaxy far, far away. I'm officially a creative consultant for Lucasfilm. And it makes me wonder if one of the anthology shorts is going to be set in the High Republic because it's such a new era and they're really wanting to push it. And giving like a little well, they anthology have a show short. coming out too of in that that's, era, right? That's that's no, that's still um, rumored. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the show is still rumored, and I don't want to talk about the video game because it's in the hands of a transform a transphobe, homophobe, and uh, racist. So I don't want to talk about the game that's coming. Um, uh, hashtags blackout Star Wars Eclipse. But the thing is, is like. A, an anthology short would be a really good way to like really introduce it. And like being Charles, I really, 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 really wanted to be a loading great storm. Cause he's like the main writer of Loden. And I'm just like, I need my baby boy Loden. Please give me an anthology short about him. I will die and cry and die some more. But um, I'm hoping that one of the anthology shorts is fun. And, and the fact that it's an anthology, meaning that it doesn't have to take place like a, a all different time periods yeah so like we what if we got to see like the resistance crew again like what if we got to see like different times be we could be in the sequel era the the prequel era i though i will say i know it's a dave filoni show i love clone wars i want to let the clone wars rest a little bit <laughs> can we just let it lie down for some like we got seven seasons of clone wars can we let it take a break like I, I'd rather spend this time playing in other areas. Well, I mean, they could do a Jedi story if they did a Jedi story in the Clone War era. There's so you know, there's so many possibilities of that. You know, doing almost anything. You know, that it could be almost any kind of story yeah. i guess no matter what era you do it in you know that's you could, true because if you it could is have a real mystical one or you could have one that's just like an adventure on a planet you know dealing with matters of a planet that that's could be true like i wouldn't mind seeing like because it is tales of the jedi i could see like a, a couple in the high republic era i could see a couple like maybe like a young obi-wan and qui-gon like i'd actually love that one or maybe even like a like a young Anakin and, and Obi-Wan. And if sure. we do get like a Clone Wars era, maybe it's just like a Jedi that we don't usually hang out with. Like what if there was like Verisafi, you know, like oh, they, and her they, they realizing. Might, they might do something with Luke's Jedi school too, you know? Yeah. They, they're sort of doing stuff in that direction. They might do something to flesh out that or. Now that know. said, I wouldn't mind maybe like to take a Clone Wars character like Ahsoka and maybe like showing like Ahsoka in hiding as a fulcrum. 
that would be really cool. Um, I'd be down for that. Um, maybe what if we got another like Kanan and Ezra? I'd be okay with that too. But um, but then when we get to and, and when I said like maybe we'll see the resistance cast again, like and I, I mean like with Ray. And I think that'd be really cool to be like showing like Ray training and like maybe in the background, like Kaz is hanging out with Torah or something like that. Yeah. Like, it sounds like with but with like Tales of the Jedi, it sounds mm-hmm. like it would be more like something you know, instead of little slices of life or little tidbits, it sounds like it would be something that's more of a like event, you know, mm-hmm. you know, v- various events in the Jedi, you know, canon or, you know, the stories of the of the of the Jedi, you know, or the tales that Jedi passed down or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, Tales of the Jedi was like a comic series, too. It was like one of those like Dark Horse comic series. It was like a well, mini Well, I know there was Star Wars Star Wars Tales. Yeah, no, there's Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. It was a, that's like uh, the actual name of the Dark Horse miniseries. Okay. So, um it could so I would assume that maybe it would follow in those footsteps, but I will say I have not okay. read the Tales of the Jedi series, so I actually cannot speak to it. So because if anybody has listened to the show before, you know that like me and Chris don't know the EU like really at all. So it's not our like birthday. I I used to actually read Tales of the Jedi quite often. I used to buy issues of it because you didn't have to commit to anything. I sort of stopped at buying it because it started becoming running stories. You know, with uh. where you had to keep getting every issue. But for for the most part, it was just all you know very episodic and i'm in and it was good so i'll bet you i'll bet you the the jedi tales was good too Mm. but so that's our by the time this episode is out we'll be uh either celebration is about to happen or has happened so we'll know more about it then so i'm excited i I'm excited to get more animated shows i know that bad batch season two is also going to be a um also going to be a panel at Celebration this year, so I'm just like, yay, we finally get to know more about Bad Patch Season 2. The poor thing, I kind of like shoved onto the side, so. Speaking of Bad Batch, hey, what'd you think of this episode? It was a good one. I really like this one. This is a visual, this had a lot of visual stuff in it that I like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this episode. I and I remembered how much I enjoyed the return of Cad, Cad Bane the first time I watched it when I heard his voice and was just like, "Oh yes, that's right." They hired another bounty hunter. My thing about this episode, <clears throat> and I'm going to get into a lot of detail in Act Three. If this episode didn't have Cad Bane in it, it would just be fine. And that's how I feel. Like Cad Bane is what takes it over, and that's a problem of the show. And not, and, and that's not saying Cad Bane's one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars. I love Cad Bane, and I love Toto 360. Like I love them, but this episode really sticks out as one of the critical flaws of season one, which I will talk about when we get to Act Three. Oh, it is okay. one of the critical fl- flaws of season one, and you know what? I even I even shared my notes before because I shared my notes onto our Twitter, which is at Jay and Jedi, and many people chimed in and they were like yes this is a problem with the show i had multiple people chime in being like yes i feel this i i agree so anyway you ready to get into this i am 
get some water because <clears throat> I have a little tickle in the back of my throat. Ooh. Yeah, I was hacking off camera when you could hear Nice. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Reunion is the eighth episode of The Bad Batch. It aired on June 18th, 2021. It was written by Christian Taylor and directed by Stuart Lee. Some extra information for you. Corey Burton and Seth Green are back, reprising their roles as Cad Bane and my baby boy, my favorite droid in all of Star Wars, Toto 360. And I cry every time I see him. The staging, from the staging to the music, the standoff between Cad Bane and Hunter is heavily influenced by mid-20th century Western films. Bane himself is based in part on Lee Van Cleef's character from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, as well as The Man With No Name. One of the final shots of the episode features a first-person perspective from inside Hunter's trooper helmet. This is a very rare technique, especially in animation, as we discussed way, way back in our Rebels episode through Imperial Eyes, because this technique in animation is super expensive to execute. <laughs> and finally, one of the scrapped arcs from the Clone Wars was about Cad Bane and a young Boba Fett. The plot was Cad Bane taking Boba under his wing because he wanted to train up the young man to best him. Jango Fett passed away before Cad could prove that he was actually the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. So Cad wanted to train Boba to beat him. There is an animatic of the scene where Cad Bane and Boba Fett face off in a duel where Boba gets the dent in his helmet and Cad is injured. While it's unsure if that animatic is considered canon or not, there is a metal plate on Cad's head in next week's episode, indicating that's that blah, blah, blah. There is a metal plate on Cad's head in next week's episode, indicating that he got some sort of head wound and he is still healing from it. Many fans have speculated that this is a confirmation that Boba and Cad did actually have that fated duel. I'm still on the fence whether or not it's considered canon, but that's just me. Um, you. I, I say don't, yes. I I think so too, especially because I, I know some of the animatics are considered canon, but others are not, and and that's the weird thing. Like like for example, then anything with Nick Sukami is not canon anymore because he was replaced by the Martez sisters. But I think that one with Cad Bane and Boba Fett is considered canon. So it just really depends but on, on who you ask. But it would make sense. And I, and I do think it's a cool connection with Bad Batch, especially because of the clone's ties to Boba Fett, and especially Omega's tie to Boba. And, we, and it comes again full circle in, like, the book of Boba Fett when Boba, you know, stabs Cad Bane. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. We'll definitely see. Um, hi, Yoda. I didn't have a nice segue into you this week, so I'm just going to say hello, Yoda, my friend. How are you? Oh, there you are. Oh, y- Yoda was just lurking around in the background. <laughs> Yoda was muted. Y- it's okay. I know you're an old man, but you have to push the unmute button when you want to talk. Standing behind everybody's smelling hair. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, how, how are you, Yoda? Did you... Uh, are you doing? Did you smell Yoda's, any good? Yoda's doing good. Smell any good hair this week? Smell always, yes. 
Who was the best hair that you smelled this week? Oh, Yoda just has a big bag of hair at his house that he pulls some out to smell. Ew, how, how did you Collected get over the years. Collected over the years. How do you Jedi get have, that? Jedi have their ways. Did you sometimes, go to the Jedi? Sometimes the Je- you just need to ask. Mm, yes. Did you go to the Jedi barber shop? Maybe, sometimes. Yoda had many ways. Many ways. Yoda's very old, has had time to figure out many techniques. Total side note, I'm so sorry, Yoda. I did actually have that thought the other day of how do Jedi cut their hair? Do they have special Jedi barbers? Do they have someone who goes through all of Jedi training just to like go into barbering in the Jedi temple? Do they go down to like the great clips down the street? Like I actually had this thought like two days ago. Wherever wherever some Jedi were, some Jedi like to cut hair, could get hair cut from them or go down to the space super cuts, super space cuts. Because, like, the, the thought I had was, like, you know, do masters learn how to cut their Padawan's hair? Like, I, like was Obi-Wan, like, please, Master Qui-Gon, don't cut my head off? <laughs> like, no. like, I, I had this thought. you know, many, many barber shops pop up around Jedi Temple. I mean, everybody needs haircut, you know. Yeah. Jedi are, like, Superman with super strong... Some Jedi have super strong hair, but some people have super strong hair anyway. Hair's not a Jedi power. Nope. Do you only have a haircut because you're old and only have a hair? Yoda has many, many hairs. Everybody <laughs> knows. I was just trying to make an old joke because I love you. <laughs> but it's a joke out of love because you're our very super special third podcaster who we respect and love very much and we don't miss Grogu at all. <laughs> I said we don't miss him because we love you. Okay. We love you very much, Yoda. Yoda. does not even need to hear that name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have a question for you. A question for Yoda, yes. A question for Yoda, and it's kind of, kind of goes along with trying to look our best this week. We're getting close to summer, Yoda. Do you have any tips on getting us into a summer beach bod? Well, uh, Yoda Yoda never, never needs, Yoda always has summer beach Yoda has very, very positive body image. Yes, of of himself. Yes. So um, Yoda's advice is less clothes. Hmm? Always makes people look better to Yoda. Yes. <laughs> More mud. Mud is okay. It's okay. Not needed. But it helps keep the sun off. Eh. Stay in the shade. Naked in the shade for summer body. Mm. It took me Full sunlight's to... bad. Very, very visible. It took me a second because I was like, isn't Naked in the Shade a TV show? And I'm like, no, that's Naked and Afraid. <laughs> Never mind. Mm. <laughs> You'd be so good at that game show, Yoda. Naked and Afraid. What? Yoda wouldn't be afraid. That was not the emotion Yoda feels when Yoda is naked most of the time. Hope is good. Yo- Yoda has been naked and afraid, come to think of it, yes. A few times. 
Here you go, here you go. This is the show that you need to try out for. Naked and Afraid is a reality series that airs. Each episode chronicles the lives of two survivalists, one man, one woman, who meet up for the first time naked and are given tasks of surviving in a a stay in the wilderness for 21 days. Each survivalist is allowed to bring one helpful item, such as a machete or a fire starter. And after they meet, there is... after they meet in an assigned locale, the partners must build a shelter and find food and water. Yes. You'd be so yes. good at that. Oh, yes, yes. Put Yoda on, I would say, put Yoda on your back. And we will learn. Yes. Learn ready. Food and water. The force is food and water everywhere. This, this show probably can't take Yoda off one planet, right? Yeah, you'd be so Child's good. Play. Child's play. I've mm. never, I've never watched this. Uh, um, they must arrive at Bryson as a designated distraction point on the final day to be picked up from an L- helicopter plane, automobile, or boat, or other vehicle. Um, viewers are updated throughout the statistics of how many days have passed, time and temperature. Uh. Yep. Wow. Yes. Uh, so well, Yoda, Yoda is available for reality shows. Maybe Yoda should put that out there. You would be so good. You're already a star. Until Grogu took all your money. Why? 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 Grogu would not be Bye. very good at this game because he's so sweet and cute and he's a baby. He would do very bad at this game. Grogu is such a baby. I think we, I think we lost Yoda. I think he just walked and, away. Anyway, we need to go on with the episode. Bye, Yoda. You is. I don't know why he's so mad. I said that we he love just, him. He just, yeah, he, he, you just winding him up and then Grogu and him. I know it's I, I'm, I absolutely I'm, I'm, am. I'm, I'm totally on board for with it. So. Yeah, I absolutely, you know, after 300 saying, episodes. I, I just don't, just don't think I don't know what's going on. We've had 300 episodes of him r- running rampant and it's good like to like. Bur- it's good to have a little in. leverage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you ready to get into act one? Act one. Yes. I spit on my microphone. I'm sorry for the noises. There we go. Act one. I guess I should give a recap of last week's episode and why we're still on Bracca. So the Bad Batch. Uh, met up with Rex, and Rex was all like, Ah, you gotta get your, your inhibitor chips out. And they're like, No, we're fine. And then they weren't fine because Re- uh, Wrecker was like, Ah, I'm the Hulk now. And Omega's like, Wrecker, you're my friend. And he's like, I am your friend, but I am trapped in my brain. And he almost kills all of them, and they subdue Wrecker. And Rex is like, This is the, the what the fuck I'm talking about. And they all get their inhibitor chips, and Rex is like, BT dubs, if you ever want to fight. In the rebellion, just call me. And they're like, and 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 Echo's like, I would love that. And Hunter's like, shut up, Echo. We're waffling for the rest of the season. And Rex leaves. Now on to this week. We open with Crosshair, and like his group is like the big dicks on on Camino campus, and they're just like, look at us, we're the Death Troopers. Look how cool we are. I'm awesome. And he goes to see Prime Minister Lamasu and Admiral Boardpart to tell them all about the Bad Batch. And he's like, hey guys, 
the Bad Batch is on Bracca still. I want to go see them. And Admiral Boardpart is like, you know what? You should just kill them. And Lamasu is like, I'm fucking sorry? What? He's like, yeah, you should just kill the Bad Batch. And Lamasu's like, I put so much money in them, and they're an asset, and they would be really great for the Empire. And Bored Part is like, nah, I'm good. Crosshair, go kill them. And Crosshair's like, I'm on it. So we go over to Bracca, and we're still here, and I, I still love this location. It's a really cool place to hang out in. And Wrecker is training Omega how to disable a bomb. And he's just like, Omega, if you get this wrong, we're all gonna die. She's like, ah, don't pressure me. And they, he freaks her out as a good brother does, but she doesn't get the bomb disabled and it's a smoke bomb. And Wrecker's like, ha ha ha, wasn't that funny? And Echo's like, why are you teasing her? And Omega's like, I don't wanna talk about it. And Echo comes to get them because they need to get back with everybody else. But oh no. Echo realizes that there are three scrappers watching them and they move out and they try to stop the scrappers and Wrecker jumps on the ship and like takes them out and they're successful but it also sets up a debate for the episode because when they get back to Hunter and everybody Echo's like, Hunter we were spotted we need to go because we'll be in danger and Hunter's like, nah it's fine we need the money. That's why we're here, scrapping up all these ships. And Echo's like, we, we're not scrappers. And he's like, but there's bombs, Echo. We could sell all these bombs to Sid and get out of debt. And Echo's like, we are fucking soldiers. And Rex offered us a really good deal last week to go and do stuff. And Hunter's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I kind of like the smuggler gig and we're safe with Sid. And it'll be fine because, like, we don't have the Republic to back us up anymore, you know? We're not getting paid, Echo. We gotta do jobs now. We gotta have a J-O-B. Does Rex have a J-O-B? And Echo's like, yeah, it sounded like he did. He's like, but does he really? What is he really doing? And Echo's like, I don't have the answers to that, but I bet Rex does. We should leave because the Empire could come find us. And they're like, no, I'll be fine. So... They decide to go back on back on the ship, the Jedi cruiser thingy. And Echo's all mad because he's just like, but I just want to do this. And there are like a shit ton of bombs. And like Wrecker's like, oh my god, look at all the bombs. I'm in love. And he like literally kisses a torpedo. Tor- I say a tampon torpedo. A, a torpedo. What is it called? It doesn't matter. It's a torpedo. He kisses it. And um, Echo is still like... Hunter, we have to go see Rex. And, and Wrecker's like, not Wrecker. Hunter's like, dude, if you if you guys stop, man, we're here now, and the plot's got to move on. And he's like, and Wrecker's like, dude, I know you want to move on and keep everybody sa- safe, but we were made to be soldiers. Like, what other path do we have? During all this, Omega's like, I'm gonna stay out of this debate, and I'm gonna go help Tech. And she goes up to the bridge with Tech, and she's just like, hey, Tech, and he's just like, hello, my equal, what's going on? Can you come help me? And she's like, oh, of course. They're arguing down their morals. And Tech's like, oh, they're arguing morals again? I'm so sorry. Come help me. I'll give you very straightforward, logical answers. And Omega's like, that sounds great. And she asks him about the Clone Wars and Tech, being my lovely, neurodiverse person that he is, and I love him so much, he gives her a very literal answer. And she was like, well, I walked right into that, didn't I? 
No emotional discussions here. But oh no, the proximity sensor goes off. And she's like, ah, ah, tech, why is this red button flashing? And he's like, oh, that means a ship has arrived. And they look out the window and sure enough, there's the Empire arriving and coming for them. And somewhere off in the distance, they can hear Echo go, I fucking told you so! <laughs> What'd you think of Act 1? Echo it's was right! Good. He was like, we have to go! We're in trouble! And Echo was right. And I just like to imagine the entire episode of him just like glaring Hunter like, I fucking told you so! You wouldn't have got your ass shot if you would have just listened to me! The Bad Batch. Everyone should always listen to Echo because he's right. Well, this this one holds a special place in my heart because it's got a junkyard in it. And I love it. I love this location. junkyard full of giant ships. And, and the ships are still full of booty. So it's that's my dream is to just scrounge around through a, a junkyard full of proton torpedoes and stuff. So... Proton! I couldn't remember the name Proton for the life of me. Proton torpedoes. And I'm. uh, (laughs) It's okay. I saw a talk show, and I thought the name of the talk show was um, Tampon, but I think it was Rampon. It was a person's name, but their name was almost like if you were. I I was looking at this. It was on the screen at work, you know, off in the distance, and I'm like, "Is this show called Tampon?" And I'm like, there's not a show <laughs> called Tampon. And I'm like thinking, well, these days maybe there is, but no, it wasn't. But it's a, yeah, Proton Torpedo. But I, yeah, so instantly just on atmosphere alone and visuals, this, this, this one's got me hooked in. And, you know, this is a great place for, th- this reminds me of like being a kid and just, you know, improvising a star wars story with your friends in some place where there were like wrecked cars or something like that so i'm instantly on board um um i don't have a lot of notes i i, I thought it was uh, I, I thought it was a little mean that wrecker gets to traumatize omega twice in two episodes I, I I didn't mind it here because it's kind of like yeah, it's, a big uh, brother it's, thing to it's do. Part of it's part of being the crew. It's just sort of an initiation thing. But it's still she she was just generally like afterwards. He's like ha 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 gotcha. And she's just like ah, I actually have yeah. that note of just being like I'm not crazy ha 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 ha. And he just like yeah. laughs like a loon. And I was like oh. And my my only other note is I thought it, my my really great one of the great touches is when they come and knock out all the scrappers that uh they just pile them up it they look like little little sleeping puppies all nestled together they just put them in a little sleeping pile by the uh, up against the wall just sort of all nestled together and they're like yeah they'll wake up later after we're gone it took me a second because they blended in so far in the background. They were like, what about these three? And I was like, where are they? And I finally noticed them like in the final frame. And I was just like, oh, they're sleeping in a pile. There they yeah, are. Yeah, they just kind of blend in. Just pile them up over there. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little touch. That's all I really got for, for part one. So uh, for me, um, I, I even though you talked about traumatizing her, I do like these like little scenes of... Omega taking time like with each of them to learn different skills throughout the season and so like like we saw this I forgot what episode I think it was like episode three or four where like she was learning how to track with Hunter 
And, um, like, here she's, like, learning how to disable a bomb. And, like, a couple episodes ago, Echo was showing her how to shoot her bow, which now she's really good at. So, like, I like these little moments. And I hope we continue to get more of these. Because these are kind of really good character bonding moments that I need so much more of that I will talk about in Act 3. Um, the Wrecker says something very specifically. And it reminded me of something that you said last week. Because you were saying when he was, like, in Hulk mode... You were like, wow, his scar is so gnarly. And, like, he's missing, like, part of his ear. Well, Reckler says that he failed his first bomb disarming test, too. And I'm wondering if that's how he got his scar. Oh, Jesus. Well, that would be pretty traumatic. <laughs> yeah, I because mean, the when you, when you imagine with back to tanks and all their technology for fixing up something like that, if it ended, unless, it, like, he was someplace, like, where they had to do a hack job on it. But even with back to tanks, it was, like... His face must have been just shredded. Like, well, like it must have looked like one of those cartoon cigarettes, that, you know, exploding cigarettes, or when they put a plug in someone's gun and the gun explodes, it's all curled up. It looked like just like something went off on the side of the head and just like peeled away all the skin, you know, just destroyed that whole side. Well, I was thinking about that because like he's being kind of Omega, like he tricks her with a smoke bomb. But I was like, the Camino ones are not kind. Like, if you if you fail, they just dispose of you because you're just like you're a bad yeah. uh, you're a bad item, and then they just move on to the next. So they probably made him test on a live bomb just to make sure he could do it, and he probably survived it. But like, I I, I it reminded me of you mentioning that last week, and I'm wondering if that is how he got his his gnarly gnarly scar. So uh, I just. I find the Kaminoans, and and I'll talk about this more in Act 2, because I find them really so interesting, but just watching Admiral Borpart just plow over Lama Sue is just so telling of him, like, him being Lama Sue, just trying to appease the Empire, but you're just seeing his power just getting, like, ripped away from him. Yeah. And it's just so interesting to watch. Um, my last little note is I just need so many more scenes of Tech and Omega. And I will get more into this act three because that could have been an amazing scene for both of their characters. That didn't get to happen. And I will talk about that more in act three because I really do. Well, the setup for it got to happen, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of half conversations. I will talk about that eventually. But something that I do like, my big note of this, is we're seeing a lot of these kind of, like, moral debates, like, really starting to come up between Echo and Hunter. Because Echo is bringing up a lot of really good points. Like, first of all, he was like, hey, we were spotted. We just should leave. And then they didn't leave. And what happened? Oh, my God, got taken and Hunter got his ass shot. If they would have just listened to Echo and just fucking got out of there, this episode wouldn't have happened. Like, you know, they like this is the like the umpteenth time where Echo is like, we should do this, and Hunter doesn't do it, and they all get fucked up for it. <laughs> and it's like keeps raising this like moral debate because like Hunter's in a position where he just wants to keep everyone safe. And so far, safety has meant Sid. Sid has kept them safe. She's been giving them money. She's been giving them a place to work and a place to hide out and stuff. So to him, safety is Sid. But Echo is also bringing up like, hey, we're soldiers. We should be fighting. Rex is giving us a thing. But the thing about Rex is too, 
they don't know what Rex is doing, and it's not guaranteed safety because which well, is no, like hunters may be fighting and they have a kid with them too. So I mean, yeah, they don't even know what they're fighting for, like because Rex was also right. super duper vague. Um, so like it's understandable like where Hunter's standing because he just wants to keep everyone safe, but it's meshing against their morals, especially Echo's morals, who is just well, like they're pro- why also are we they're doing programming, this? you know? Yeah. They're... So I, I just I find it like super interesting that we keep getting, especially from Echo, like, and it makes sense to me that Echo is the one doing this because like the Bad Batch were like. I don't want to say the privileged clones, but they were kind of the privileged clones. Like they were the special babies of Camino. They got everything handed to them. But Echo oh, was yeah, like, they're like the Navy SEALs or something like that, you know? Yeah. And Echo was a fucking grunt. Like he was like, I was in and out of battles every single day. And then I got blown up and I was captured. And like, like, but he's like the reg. Like, so he got to like the norm, I guess the normal. Well, they got, experience. they got way more leeway to be individuals. They got their own little, little, little clubhouse that they got to person you know that was very Decorate. personalized and yeah and they got to be That's and they true. got to all be yeah so they got more leeway they were designed that way so they get more leeway to be individuals you know because it was if if we think back way 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 to like early season of clone wars i think the episode is called clone cadets where we actually see the domino squad before they're shinies you know, Echo is one of those guys sleeping in the tubes, and there's like hundreds of tubes to sleep in. Right, like he didn't right. get his own room. And so, like, it's it's. I really like that a lot of this is coming from Echo, because in a way, he's earned this inter- individuality. He fought for it. Fives died for it, which is someone who is very important to Echo, and Rex is very important to Echo. So it makes sense that he wants he's the one voicing this because he fought his fucking ass off and almost died and was captured and like relived again to have this freedom. And I can totally understand why he's like looking at Hunter and just being like, why are we wasting this chance to like do our thing so you can keep working for like this lizard lady? (laughs) It's just I, I like this kind of moral debate and I wish they would do more for it. They could be doing so much more with it. Anyway, that's all I have for Act One. Yeah, I'm ready for Act Two. I don't think I. I think that the the age, the minimal age group that they're 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 you know, they're they're aiming for is still young enough that they're just sort of nudging it along. And I also don't know how much they've sort of trapped themselves in their own time frame so that they have to sort of keep the plot where, you know, vacillating a little bit, you know, you know, in the in the because we don't know the grand scheme of things, too. So we don't know what's coming. So we don't know if this is just, a you know, a writing flaw or if it's, you know, if it's part of. A, a greater scheme you don't know till later you know i call bullshit on both of those for two reasons one star wars resistance two star wars rebels and the reason i say and i i will come back to this in act three but to address it here you know in the grand scheme of things resistance was only two seasons so they right. moved fast 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 with those character developments rebels was four seasons but we still had fucking episode one, Hera and Ezra having conversations about, like, deep conversations that, like, really cemented their characters, which we haven't had yet 
eight episodes into Bad Batch. And that's my problem. And I will talk about it way more uh-huh. in Act 3. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I can see that. But I, I'll, I also look at Rebels and Resistance as they were trying to tie themselves... Or they, they, if they would have, but if, if the movies hadn't been, the sequel trilogy hadn't been such a mess, they would have been busying their, you know, adjusting their timeline and storyline to be able to mix in with that and, you know, and, and enhance that storyline. But they didn't really get to do that that much you know but besides having you know like maybe kylo ren show up and and uh rebels not as much but rebels was also like in and this will come up in in act in in another act um is uh you know rebels was also um um teed up like darth vader in in rogue squadron you know and and stuff like that but like now now they've you know re reconfigured mar or marvel or uh, disney is re reconfigured in lucasfilm and they're sort of they're they're building that this storyline out of like book of boba fett and they're just go they're going ahead and doing their you know and it's and it's it's sort of it's self-contained more from a lot of the other TV shows, including Rebels and stuff. So I think they're doing like now they're doing more of almost modeled more off the Marvel universe. You know what I mean? Where you know they're gonna tie everything tie everything together, all the shows together in some way. You know, unless a show is like wildly out of the you know like in the old republic days or whatever but yeah i i think they have if not uh, probably not precise plans but a rough arc for everything and where things are going to cross and some they probably have a bunch of major things that they want to happen and other stuff will come up in the making of those shows but they i think they have uh you know, like like when you saw the Marvel movies go on and you were like, oh, shit, that that's right. I thought that was a random scene in that other movie about another character. And now it's paid off, you know, four years later or whatever. So I don't know how much of the Bad Batch they have going into that. You know, the Bad Batch could be go- just like a lot of the stuff with book of boba fett could be going off into the palpatine there's all sorts of ways and and they're going off into luke's luke's jedi academy sort of thing so i don't yeah i don't know i don't know if they're if they were were padding this out or or what i i almost don't think they'd want instead of padding it out why wouldn't they just do a shorter season and save money you know see and that's kind of like I, I also have been kind of like sitting on this in the back of my mind too. Is the the fun thing about Resistance was it didn't function like Clone Wars and Rebels, and that it got to be kind of more of like this like pocket story and like away from everything else. And I'm wondering if the Bad Batch isn't supposed to be a character development show; it's only supposed to be a world building show. Yeah, which, it might be. 
which would be interesting because this is a very changing time period and they're showing how the world changed from the Republic to the Empire. And that stuff is really done well. Like, that's something we talked about in depth in the Cut Quain episode is like seeing the early days of the Republic crossing over into the Empire and like chain codes coming into effect and right. blah, blah, blah. So like that is also a possibility is the function of this show is world right. building. But you still need the characters to carry it. And that's the pro- that, that's my sticking point. That is a very, very long note I have for Act 3. Anyway, you want to get to Act 2? Yes. It's funny because my char- I have some character notes in Act 3. They're very shallow. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah, when I say like a big character, like it's, it's more of a criticism of the season. One of them's really shallow. Like my mine's just like a criticism of the season, and it it comes up in this episode. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, Act Two. I'm ready. Back on Kamino, Nase and Lamasu meet up for like a little powwow, and Lamasu is like, "Hey, so we got a problem because the Empire just sent Crosshair to kill the Bad Batch, and that's our contingency plan because we kind of need Omega." And Nase is like. So, I know you want to call someone, but I may or may not have already hired someone a few episodes ago, and we're going to find out next week that it's Phoenix Shand, like, I'm the one that, that hired Phoenix Shand, spoilers for everybody, but, like, Phoenix Shand's going to try and help us out next week, and Lama Sue's like, nah, you know what we gotta do? We gotta set up for the Book, book of Boba Fett, so I'm going to send Cad Bane, isn't that going to be fun? You know, because we gotta have that Clone Wars fan favorite. Here we go. And Nalase is like, ah, this fucking guy. <laughs> Fine. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, be all sneaky about it next week. So, and Lama Sue's like, what's that about next week? And she's like, nothing. Bye. And Nalase leaves the room. But back on Baraka. Oh, no. The Empire is here. And not just any of the Empire's empires imperials it's crosshair and crosshair is like all right my proto death troopers we're not the big dicks on camino anymore we gotta be the big dicks on Braca. and they're all like hell yeah and crosshair is like i know all their tricks guys those little jammed comms that's tech that means tech's here and we gotta move out and then, like, a group of stormtroopers comes over, and they're just like, you called for us, boss? And he's like, oh, yeah. Hello, my red shirt stormtroopers. I have a very special job for you. And the red st- shirt stormtroopers are just like, oh, wow, a special job. What can we do? And he's like, I need you guys to go find the Bad Batch's ship for a plot point in Act 3 for reasons and the red shirt stormtroopers are like all right well we'll go find the bad batch ship for act three hope nothing bad happens to us and the red shirts all get on their ship and we'll never see them again until they're dead (laughs) and crosshair is like they were nice let's move out troops and crosshair takes them off and what starts here is like like uh, like a five minute scene of cat and mouse i'm not gonna like go through the whole thing Long story short is the Bad Batch is like going through the Jedi cruiser and they're avoiding stormtroopers and tech slices into their comms and they hear like crosshair and crosshair's like, hey guys, push him to the hangars. And Hunter's like, well, we're not going to go that way. Let's go to a different route. 
But it's a trap because Crosshair knows all of their moves. And Hunter's like, fuck. <laughs> hey, Crosshair. Crosshair's like, hey, guys. I'm here to kill you. And Hunter's like, this again. And Tech's like, psst, Hunter. Hunter, I have a plan. I need you to keep Crosshair monologuing for a few minutes. And Crosshair and Hunter's like, done. I can get him to monologue. Hey, Crosshair, tell me all about your hubris. And Crosshair's like, my hubris? Well, I'm so great with the Empire now. The Empire really respects me. Like, not like what you did, Hunter. You were all just like, uh, oh, Crosshair, go get your dirty socks off the laundry. You know, because someone's have to watch them. And I'm like, Hunter, I'm not going to wash your dirty socks because I'm better than you now. And meanwhile, all Crosshair's people are like, what the fuck is happening? And Crosshair's like, I have to air dirty laundry and not the laundry I did for Hunter. Hunter, I'm so cool now. And Omega is like, I don't know what this is about laundry, but you have an inhibitor chip inside you, Crosshair. And Crosshair's like, excuse me, I am monologuing here. And then Tech sets off one of the can cannons and the cannons is like, pew pew. And the deck collapses, and Crosshair's like, ah, my hubris, and just falls over. And everyone's like pew-pewing, and the deck collapses more. And the Bad Batch, thanks to luck and plot armor and a wish, are able to get on out of there. And they temporarily, like, walk away, and they sneak out. And then there's a screen wipe right here. So I'm going to say that's the end of Act 2. Yeah, I figured that too. Yep, that's where I wiped mine too. Yay! <laughs> I thought the artillery guns was kind of a neat idea, just because those are right out. Those are right out of shots from the last battle of uh, of Episode Four of Star Wars. They they had shots of those cannons, and they had a big recoil on them. Yep. Um. So it totally makes sense. I had this it, moment. I was just like, they're so convoluted, but I also love this idea. <laughs> I just like this whole part visually. It it's just it's just it reminds me of kids having a, you know a bat. It's it's playing with your Star Wars toys. So I was I was totally enjoying this. I I did notice that Meg Omega's casually offing people now with her with her bow. Yes, she is. And yes, she have, is. Yes, she is. <laughs> And I only have uh, one other, uh, and it's funny, we always hit some point in one of the new new Star Wars series where we go, well, the, the kid's finally killing people. <laughs> yep, yep, we do. Um, and uh, if, I don't know how many episodes ago, but there was a, a like, a, a scream of someone getting killed that I was like, there's a scream, it's almost like they're trying to make a new Wilhelm scream, because it was a very distinct, Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I heard, and I think I heard it again in this one with one Crosshair of the. Crosshair throws one of the clone troopers out the windows, and he goes. <laughs> yeah, and I and and like if I keep hearing it, I'm gonna have to go back and find it and figure out if they're trying to trying to do a new do a new Wilhelm scream, which would be cool. I would be I would be totally on board with that. That's all I really got for Act Two. I'll, I'll, short notes, but I had, it was a lot of fun. It was a very fun act. My shallowest of shallow notes for this episode <laughs> is I died laughing when Wrecker 
picks up the proton torpedo and just throws it at someone's face and knocks them out. And it makes like yeah. a doink sound. Like it just goes doink. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's that like the torpedo doesn't explode. He just no, yeah, throws no, it it's... at someone's head. Yeah, it's probably made not to explode by getting jostled around, possibly. And so and it made me laugh so much. I had to pause the episode because I was laughing so hard. He just like chucks it like a football and just dunk. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. This like, like you know, um, I I just enjoyed this in a big this show in a big dumb way. You know, that's why I don't have a lot of notes. But they're, like all the battles and stuff were just are just ve- were very kinetically a- appealing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like I, I know I said like the cannons are kind of convoluted, but that's like what I love about the Bad Batch. This is actually kind of like a, yeah. a nice segue into like my my n- big note of this, which is. I love Crosshair as an antagonist because he knows all their tricks. Like, he knows that Tech is jamming their signals. So he feeds them bad intel because he knows that's how Tech works. He knows Hunter's moves. But we also see why here and in Act 3 when they explode the engine, why the Bad Batch are so good at what they do. Because they're able to think so creatively to be like, if we blow up this deck, we have a much better chance of survival. And, and what they do they have... do? They fucking blow up the deck because they're like, let's go. Yeah, and they and 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 there's there's also um um what's his name? What fives? Why do I want to Echo? Echo. There's why do I want to call them fives? There's because Echo there's five and his friend. Echo and and Omega are are also like new to the Bad Batch, so he there there's elements to it that aren't that he can't totally just predict, you know. So, yeah, yeah it's 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 good. It doesn't give him the total advantage that he that he would have if it was just the rest of them. Mm-hmm. But it's that's that's one of my favorite actually parts of this episode that I. I love whenever Crosshair is here because he's the most dangerous player here. And I, I don't want to ever call him a villain because I, I feel like he is like strong antagonist and like he does villainous things, but I, I think he's well on his way to eventually getting some kind of a redemption arc. Um, but he knows them and that's why he's so scary. Like a hunter falls for it, man. Like hunter's kind of dumb <laughs> at times. Because he's like, oh, well, if they're going to do that, let's go this way. And, like, Crosshair's just, like, waiting, well, like, that, smoking a cigarette. Like, hey, could, what's up? That could also be why, um, and, and this does not excuse your 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 plot um, complaints. But it's just, this, is, this is just my... Uh, oh, I don't think, it's not a complaint here. Like, I, I, I really no, like I mean, this just character in general. I mean, in general, maybe, maybe, um, maybe Hunter is not his you know his his decision making levels aren't the best you know he's like if he's if he's sort of working on his own tracking something you know that's 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 his talent but like make it maybe making decisions on the fly isn't his best thing so he's working very carefully through the like what do we do with our lives <laughs> that's actually very valid because episode one that was one of crosshair's points which was you're not a good leader i'm a better leader because i have better strategies and that actually was a plot point of episode one 
Um, and we're kind of seeing it here because if it'd be one thing if Crosshair wasn't there, if these were just regular clones that they were fighting, they would have been fine. But because it's Crosshair, like he's not predicting Crosshair, which is proving Crosshair's point that he's the stronger leader. Um, and Hunter like walks into every one of his traps, which is why he has to be like, all right, let's blow up the deck. Let's go. <laughs> um, and I, I think. I think Hunter is better at adapting. Crosshair is better at making plans. And I think that's the difference between the two. Like, Hunter can read a battlefield and adapt, while Crosshair is better at making, like, initiate uh, initial plans and executing, which are two totally different things. And to- two totally different leadership styles. Definitely. Yeah. Um, my only other note is a tiny, like, little one. Uh, oh no, I have two notes. <laughs> um, the Camino stuff is still so interesting, and I think like I, I'm, I'm talking yeah. a lot about next week because I actually thought a lot of the points that I wrote down were in this episode, and then I realized they were next week's episode. So that's why I'm kind of talking about next week. Um, I like watching the Caminoans trying to figure out how to hold their power, but also knowing how the season ends and knowing how much Nala say is playing against everybody else because she wants to save Omega is so interesting because we know after next week she's already called Finnick Shand. Like she was the one that hired Finnick a few episodes ago. We know this already. And so it's fun watching her just being like, hey, I already called a bounty hunter. And Lama Su is just being like, well now we have two bounty hunters. <laughs> and Nala's just being like, fucking guy. I've been watching what we do in the shadows. So every time I see Nandor go, fucking guy, <laughs> it makes me smile. But that's essentially like what she's doing. And it's fun like watching them trying to work together to hold their place of power, but also watching Nala say play against Lama Sue because she wants to save Omega. And I think that makes her a very interesting background character because Nala say is like the smartest person on the show yeah. playing like the multiple the, layers of chess. The Kaminoans are very interesting anyway, because they're just so hard to, you know, they don't really have facial expressions. So they're just hard to read. They're very like, Mm-hmm. complicated and they seem very they seem almost elevated they almost seem like spiritual the way they look they look mm-hmm. almost angelic and stuff and they're like supposed to they're super intelligent scientists and you know have saved their species on a flooded planet and stuff but at the same time they're they're super shady and they like <laughs> they're they're super familiar with like bounty hunters <laughs> and stuff so like yeah it's they're very interesting. Mm. Um, and the only other note is actually Hope has a visual note. Oh. Ooh. I think it's really easy in these shows and, and sometimes like in in the movies and stuff like that to kind of forget how big these starships are because, you know, they, the sets are only so big and they they only usually show like so much of a ship, like usually a couple quarters and that's it. Yeah, and corridors so, are small, and they they could be an office building. You know, every once yeah. in a while you'll see a hangar and stuff to get an idea. But that those hangars are just little parts of the a lot of those ships. So yeah, and I think this episode does a really good job of like showing how big the ship is because like it's not like they just had to go down a couple of halls and then they were back in the hangar. The Jedi cruiser is fucking massive, and they yeah. have to essentially they're essentially going like city blocks to get yeah. out of there. Yeah, and and, I, well, you 
you see them from space usually, and space distorts how big something is. But when mm -hmm. you're on the surface of it walking around, all of a sudden you see the scale of it. Yeah, like a Jedi cruiser is like, I think like 10,000 people works on it. I, I might be confusing it with Star Destroyers. I, actually, no, Star Destroyers is like 10,000. And so, like, I, I really appreciate this episode, especially, like, when you get into the engine. Like, showing how tiny they are in the engine. Yeah. And I, I think this does a really good job of, like, reminding us that, like, these ships are fucking massive. <laughs> so, but that's all I had for Act 2. Did you have anything else? No, you want to um, wrap this junkyard dog up? Yes, let's do it. This junkyard Dianoga. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Act three. So the Bad Batch are on the run, trying to get out of the Jedi Cruiser, and they go into the engine chamber where all the fire comes out. And Crosshair wakes up from, like, the deck collapse, and he's pissed. He's just like, oh, my God, they got me with my hubris. And he's ready to hunt down some BBs, and he's just like... I need a ship! And he jumps on a ship and they take him outside and he's like, I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna shoot at them. Fine! So when the Bad Batch tries to like leave through the back of the engine, there's Crosshair and he's just like, pew pew! And he's like, come on out, Hunter! You got me to talk about my hubris and it's time to die! The Bad Batch is surrounded and they're trapped in a very bad place that can make lots of fire. And then, oh no! Crosshair tells them to start turning on the engine, which has two minutes to come on. And that means soon there's going to be lots of fire. And the Bad Batch are like, okay, okay, we're trapped literally between a fire and a fireplace. Oh god, what are we going to do? And all they have left is the very last of the thermal detonators that they were going to sell to Sid. And Echo's like, are you fucking serious? We risked our lives for this, and now we're going to use them all? And Ter's like, yes we are! So they start putting up the thermal de detonators because they can't destroy the engine, but they can dislodge the part that they're in to get away from the lots of fire. So they have this like little like team building montage where they like stick up all the thermal detonators. And when it's time, <coughs> excuse me, when it's time, uh, they get them all set up. And just as the fire is about to go off, they boom, they blow up the, the chamber. And then they fall. But you know what? With no chamber there anymore, the fire just comes right out, right where Crosshair is, and he gets fucked up. Like, it blows off his helmet and starts, starts ripping his face apart. And the Bad Batch fall, and they fall, and they fall, and they fall, and they all get separated, and they crash down. And when they wake up, Hunter is with Omega, and then Tech, Echo, and Wrecker are together, and they're completely separated. And and Hunter's like, we're all alive! That worked! Good job, everybody! And off in the distance, they can hear Crosshair going, Turn it off! 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 And, like, poor Crosshair soldiers are just like, Sorry, sir! Sorry! Sorry! And they turn off the engine, and Crosshair just kind of falls over. And he's just like, ow, my face! My hubris! It's burned! So Hunter is just like, hey, everyone gets to, we'll meet you guys at the hangar. Cool. And the others are like, cool. And he's like, come on, Omega, let's go by ourselves to the hangar. And remember, like, way back in Act 2, those very nice red shirt clone troopers? Yeah, they're dead. Because when Hunter and Omega get to the hangar, 
They see all the dead clone troopers. And Hunter's like, well, this isn't good. What's going on? And they creep out. And he's like, someone's here. And someone is there. Because it is Cad freaking Bane and Toto, my baby boy, 360, come out of their ship. And, and Cat's just like, hey, I'm awesome. How's it going? And Toto's like, I'm here too, and I'm a delightful boy. And Cat's like, yes, you are. And he's like, I love you, Master Cat. And Cat's like, we're not going that far. Hi, Hunter, give me the girl. And Hunter's like, no. You're gonna have to pry her from my cold, dead hands. And Omega's like, you don't need to tell him that. He's a bounty hunter. He's gonna kill you. <laughs> and Cad Bane's like, yes, I am. So, the music goes all... And, and Cad's like, you hear that? That's my theme music. And, he, and he's like, play it again. And, and Toto's just like... Na, 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 na. And he's like, thanks, Toto. You're the best. And Hunter and Cad Bane get into a standoff. And Hunter, like, touches his gun, and Cat's just like, nope! And pews Hunter and shoots him right in the chest. And Hunter is down! And, and Omega starts crying, and she's like, Hunter! And, oh, that was actually pretty good. Hunter! And she's crying, and she, like, picks up her bow, and she points it at Cat, but, but, but for plot reasons, it should be noted. I, I'm only noting this because it's a plot point of next week. As Hunter falls over, he shoots off Toto's leg. But now Toto has a little bludgeoning weapon, and he flies over and smacks Omega's bow from her hands, and Cad stuns Omega, and she passes out. And Cad Bane has Omega now, and he captured her, but it's Cad freaking Bane, y'all! And the episode ends with Hunter waking up. Totally fine, by the way. He's just like, ow, my chest. Where's Omega? And they're like, we thought she was with you. And he's like, oh, no, the bounty hunter got Omega. Dun, dun, dun. The end. Campaign, y'all! Now, just from a storytelling point of view, I think they should have left this at when he stuns Omega. I and, think, yeah, I, I would agree with and that. And I think they should have, I think the opening of the next episode should have been them carrying Hunter away with this point of view shot. And then it would have been like, is Hunter dead? And then the next one would be like, okay, Hunter's not dead. And they could establish it right at the beginning with them carrying him in the ship and flying off and being like, what's yeah. happening? And that would have been a very nice beginning to, you know, because obviously we've got like a running storyline here going on. So I think dramatic, I think just like from a storytelling point of view, it would have worked. Would, I'll have to see next episode, but it seems like that would be would have been a, a better way to go. No, I, I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, it's it's interesting. It's uh, this is the episode where I, where both Hunter and Crosshairs get their wings clipped a little bit. And, uh, I I actually have a note about that about Crosshair. Um, is it cool if I slide in right yeah, fast? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I can't. It, it, you know, it might have been me, but I can't remember. But someone came up with a very interesting theory after this episode, and I kind of wish it happened because it was a very interesting story. And the theory was essentially is that Crosshair gets fucked up this episode. Like he gets blasted full in the face. You see one of the bandages over his eye. 
And the theory was that he wouldn't be able to shoot anymore, which would render him useless to the Empire and take away the one thing he was good at. And so the Empire would just discard him, like they've just discarded all the other clones. And it would put him in a place realizing that he put his loyalties in the wrong place, but he couldn't, he would feel like he couldn't go back to the Bad Batch either. So then you would have Crosshair stuck on his own for some time, going on this like journey to, and kind of get this like hatred for the Empire too, setting him up to have this like super dramatic return, which would have been very interesting with Hunter getting injured. Cause like, what if Hunter was actually injured for the rest of the series? Or for the re- at least for the rest of the season, because that would put them in as like perfect narrative foils to Crosshair then, and it makes me so mad they didn't go this route because I actually don't think Crosshair is very interesting for the rest of the show. I, I don't know if they, I don't know if the Empire would have discarded him. I think he's like because he's gotten to a ma- he's gotten to the management position. So like they they I were do. they were high they were high they weren't using him now for his like specific ability to shoot a gun they were using him for his specific ability to lead a group of people and to you know plan plan their their adventure you know use his clone experience of you know going on missions to lead missions so he could have been one of those you know if if it worked out he could have been one of those generals with an eye patch you know who's just like you know i was the number i was the number one sharpshooter until i caught one in the eye and now i'm just like you know and i trained and they could have him train and they certainly certainly he could help train stormtroopers that's for sure stormtroopers could use a little bit of uh crosshairs knowledge but the fact that like he's so fucked up this episode and it doesn't affect him for the rest of the season and i'm just like this is a major character moment and it does like i i I do remember he heals and he's fine he's fine when he comes back he's just like hey guys no scarring i'm great and i'm just like no this is like a major writing like character moment of you getting fucked up and you don't do anything with it like this this is where like the, like one of I those things i thought they were where... gonna have it affect his chip or something you know yeah like, that, that seemed so like the much natural they... thing yeah and there's so much they could have done with this and he's just fine and it makes me like ugh, ugh, ugh. and and like i'm just there's so many more interesting maybe they just want him to be bad maybe they just want that to be the, what you get from know. him is that he's just he's just an asshole you know I, I don't Maybe know. Sometimes what people are just assholes, you know. Maybe it's not his chip. Maybe it's not this. He's just a dick, and so like, keep him I around. do remember when he comes back, like he has like a little bit of scarring, but he's not like he's fine. He gets better. Like he's okay. <laughs> and it's just one of those things. Like I think he like loses his hair, and I think like that's the worst thing that happens to him. <laughs> and I'm just like, really, that's the route that you're gonna go when you have this huge dramatic moment with this character i just i don't know it makes me mad but i saw that fan theory it definitely seemed like it was was going somewhere it definitely seemed like it was set up to go anywhere yeah and that's like it's uh, i don't i don't know like when i when i saw that fan theory like that was just like like having crosshair become almost like a ronin like character where he's just like not serving the empire but he's not serving the rebels he's not really a bounty hunter and he's just going around doing his own fucking shit and i'm like that's so interesting for him 
because he doesn't feel like he can return to his brothers yeah, when yeah. they would take when they would welcome him back. <laughs> Ugh, uh, anyway, what's the rest of your notes? Um, my shallowest of shallow notes is you ever seen a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars show that actually has two skinny Clint Eastwood looking people, both with toothpicks in their mouths. Two characters with toothpicks in this episode. It's really strange. That that is like um like a running joke that like and, um Crosshair and, and, and Kathleen started like, like a toothpick started a toothpick club. Like that's actually a running fandom joke about their toothpicks. That they would actually one day fight with their toothpicks. I've seen that too of like a fan art of like Cad Bane and like Crosshair like like with tiny swords, like just being like with their toothpicks. I've seen that fan art. And my only other note is uh. This this did it, this is something that I find hilarious in in the the animated Star Wars is if you watch the animated Star Wars you get totally spoiled on something that you don't know you're going to get to- spoiled on on something like in 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 um, Rebels it was Darth Vader you know that Rebels basically did the the you know a variation on the Darth Vader's back and holy shit is he scary that you got in, in Rogue Squadron, you know? And so when you hit Rogue Squadron... Are you thinking Rogue pra- One? Or Rogue One, I mean. Okay, because I was going to say, isn't Rogue game. Squadron like a movie that's coming? A video game, yeah. No, it's an oh, old video, Star Wars video but, game. But that was the, the one of the movies that are, that's in development, too. I, I think it's based on the video game. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, so you totally, like, when, when that happened, it was just like, oh, this is just like Rebels. And the same thing happened with Cad Bane in this. As he gets his big, it's Cad Bane, and gets a gets a big. Uh, he gets to win this what this gunfight though. Well, he he wins one of his gunfights in the the live action, but like he he and and you see the you see the the metal plate on his head and and everything. So it's like totally totally ahead of you know Book of Boba Fett and. Uh, and you know everybody in Book of Boba and Book of Boba. Well, actually, a lot of you know people watching Book of Boba Fett did watch the cartoons. Like, who the hell is this guy? It's not like Darth Vader, where they're like, "Oh my God, Darth Vader out of nowhere." But it's funny, you know. It's just like when he showed up in Book of Boba Fett. I'm like, yeah, I just saw this a year ago. <laughs> yeah, not even a year ago. That was earlier no. this year. Yeah, that was like three months ago. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right? What is time? But, but yeah. That's all I got for for Act Three. Go to town. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am going to just go straight through my notes because they're a mix of big and little notes. Um, I I do like this. I know I was like messing around and like joking about it in the recap, but I actually do like the fact that they went through all this effort to get all of these like weapons and bombs to sell back to Sid, and they leave empty-handed. I love that plot point, and I love it for two reasons. One, it reminds me a lot of Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars Resistance, where you see their unstable life, especially like Resistance Season 2 is is what I'm thinking of, where not everything's going to work out. There's that, you know, there are episodes of Rebels where they're like literally cold inside the ghost because they're almost out of gas, you know, and and I like that. It's it's a really good point of showing like how unstable their world, their life is right now. But number two, it strengthens Echo's argument. Where Echo's argument was, we should leave for safety and Rex and um and go see Rex, and Hunter's whole thing was, no, we need money for safety, 
and they try to get the money and they were all in danger and they get they lose Omega. And so it also strengthens Echo's entire argument of we should be helping Rex. And I so I like it for those two reasons. Um, I love the Ion engine as a set piece. It's a really cool set piece. Just the colors. It's beautiful. And the colors, the reds in it are. You, uh, you're seeing all, all the dust getting sucked into it. It reminds me of like old classic Disney animation with like, yeah, like um, Sleeping Beauty with the dragon and stuff with the really fine lines of of light and stuff. It was just really beautiful. And and this was like when I was talking about like the massiveness, like this is where I was like really thinking about it because like it's such a huge thing and just you can feel them falling when like the circular thing that they're in when they blow it up and they're falling you can feel them falling and it's just it's so hefty and i just i love the set piece uh this is true the song the bounty hunter is back lives rent free on my playlist it's it's on my Spotify playlist, the moment I heard it, and like I heard that like Cad Bane music, like I was just like, "This is going on my playlist." Thank you for releasing it, Kevin Kiner. <laughs> Yay! Okay, I'm gonna take a drink. We're on my big note. You can be sure it'll be in this episode. You've heard it in this episode. Yep. All right. I'm just gonna let you know. This is a really long note. Let me finish, and then we can discuss it. Okay. Alright. Without Cad Bane, this episode is fine. There, to me, is still something missing with the Bad Batch as a show and the Bad Batch as a cast. And to me, I think it's the lack of letting these characters have time just to simmer and do character stuff. They keep having these half conversations all season long where they're sort of touching on things and emotions but they're never going there because they're so focused on like plot 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 and then they have to run 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 and then they have to get the next magical MacGuffin of the week that no one has time to talk and to be characters and the two examples in this is Tech and Omega are set up to have this really good conversation but then the plot happens and then Hunter and Echo keep trying to discuss these futures and debate their morals, but then plot happens and they never get to finish. And I kept thinking of episode one of Rebels, where Hera and Ezra sit on the, the, the gangplank of the ghost, and Hera talks to him about the importance of hope and why it's important to fight. And then we have episodes of Resistance, where it's like, conversations of the fireball crew literally having lunch and talking about the first order invading and clam and tam having these clashing ideas with her found family there is drama in in character development character development is plot and i feel like this nuance is missing from our main characters being the bad batch and as a show the show relies so much on the cameos to carry the coolness factor. So it's letting stuff like Cad Bane, Cut Laquane, Rex, and Finnick Shand be the cool things to carry the episode instead of letting the Bad Batch, the main characters, develop and carry the episodes. 
because that's what the fireball crew was. That's what the ghost crew was. They carried it, and they had their own cameos. They had Poe Dameron. They had Leia. They had Lando. <laughs> they had Thrawn. They had Darth Vader. But it was always the core cast that carried the show. And I don't feel like the Bad Batch are developing enough to carry the show. So they have to have the cameos. And a lot of that is these half conversations that the Bad Batch keep happening. They are still eight episodes into their own show. And they're still relatively basic. Except for Omega. And she's developing great. She's fine. But like Hunter and the rest of the cast are not getting developed and they're not having the opportunity to, to go into becoming these well-rounded characters that we're so used to. And the past animated series did this so well. We know we, they can do this, but Bad Batch is falling flat. And maybe I'm just spoiled because I just watched this episode of Owl House called Hollow Mind and it was fucking amazing and it was all character driven and like that's the whole point of season one of amphibia is it's all character driven and i see these other animated shows and past star wars shows and it's just making current star wars look really bad well i okay i'll play devil's advocate here take take cad bay now this episode what do you feel about the episode? Cad Ben, Cad Ben, I was loving. I I love this episode. I was loving it right up. Like Cad Bane was just like an added, like icing on the cake to me. The thing about the character development of the Bad Batch is, this is a this is unusual in all the shows. We've had characters who were clones before, but they were dealing with stuff within the Clone Wars in their set. They're set, you know, play. They were as clones battling and, you know, they had their they had their place. They had their role. Now they don't know what it is. And they're there. They were not made to be. They were not made to be like released into the wild to be just like citizens. And you have people like in 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 resistance and even more so it with. In, with the character with Hera and and Kanan and in Rebels, you have humans who've lived in the human world and had relationship. They've had had relationships before, and they have like, you know, wisdom that doesn't just have to do with killing people. And these guys are these guys are they are they are in a state of arrested development, and they sh like Omega was raised a little like a kid so she should develop more normally but she's with this, this bunch of guys who are like not made to not not made to develop at all they're not to, made to develop past a certain point and and all of a sudden they're tasked with being a family and with a kid and you but know, shouldn't money. that be the catalyst of their development then? If they're right, not but made it, but to develop, their development because... might be like with real, like if you really like interpolate that into reality, it might their their development might be very like it would be more like dealing with teenagers and stuff, which equals frustrating. You know, they'll they'll pick stuff up, but it might be a harder like talking, like sitting down and having a conversation about feelings and their future and stuff like that they 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 will have them 
they remind me of any like men that I've known in my life that have trouble talking about their feelings or talking about, you know, but they have sometimes they have to, you know, but we're and not talking do, about they, real- when they do. They sit down and they go, oh, well, you know, but we're maybe- not talking about real life. We're talking about a work of fiction where character development is right, a, but, it's a function but, of a story. <laughs> but they, yeah, but that's that. It is a function of the story, but it's also a function of the 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 reality within the story of the the characters, which is they are awkward, hyper masculine, you know, um, locker room, you know, um, soldiers, you know. And they were never they and they were they they didn't have a life before any of that, and they were never meant to have a life after it. So like it's awkward for it's awkward and hard for them. So they have these little stilted, stilted half conversations because that's probably all they can, their brain can handle, you know. And it might be a it might be a um it might be a very <laughs> um, awkward and and frustrating path to where they can, you know, like, you know, Hunter's got a little heads, you know, they've, they've seen Cuthel Quain and stuff like that. And they're starting to like, actually have to live in the galaxy and they're, 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 you know, just, you know, just meeting people instead of meeting people who are possibly there, you know, and stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's it's working for me. They're 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 they're. I just assume this this whole um, show is going to probably be as like action oriented as possible. And the the elements of the element of um, of Omega is is in there to to soften it up and to 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 you know to force have character without force but have character development in it but it might be it might take time <laughs> well that's the thing because here's hmm. it's not working for me because I, I will talk about cad bane in a minute because i do love cad bane and i love him in this episode and i'm I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite when i get to that point but like you know just taking off like the cad bane out of this episode like it's not working for me character development is like a like a cornerstone of of a television show and like so much of this series falls flat for me and like when i like i said i posted this note and um devore who was a guest on our show before responded ali who's a guest on our show responded so did charles and they were just like yeah yeah (laughs) we agree because you know it it gets repetitive if the characters are flat because then it's just the adventures of the week and like i'm not even going to counter with the rex as as an example, I'm an encounter with fucking Waxer and Boyle, who in 22 minutes of season one of Clone Wars, not like not even like the arcs of Clone Wars, just like a season one episode, they have so much character development in 22 minutes of finding this little Twilight girl Numa and bringing her back to her family, and they went into that episode just being like, oh, we have to help the Tailheads. And then they see, like, what the effects of war does to this child. And they have a total 180 in 22 minutes. 
and they're background clones. They're not even the fat, like the main characters of their show. Well, and I he- mean, I, I, I would argue that a lot of the Bad Batch have had that same sort of arc with o- Omega, but it's just like the the thing with Waxer and Boyle is it was it was. It was right, two episodes, right? That one, they, they, one, one episode, one episode in twenty-two minutes. And, they had a and, total one eighty. Right, but if if it would have turned into a series of Waxer and Boyle and the Little Twilight Girl, it probably there were there it probably would have been fairly s- similar, you know, in there. I mean, I actually think that episode might be a lot of the core of like w- what they built the Bad Batch on, you know, like in the back of their heads. But like, I would agree yeah. with that, but like when it's the main characters of the show is so flat to me, and that it actually like is it's it's maddening to me. That and that is frustrating to me as Ezra Bridger. That's for sure. That we we, well, we still like it. Ezra Bridger different. didn't didn't. That's different to me though because. Ezra has a clear character arc, and even by the end of season one, season one he's supposed to be frustrating. Ahsoka too. Season one of uh, like of Clone Wars, Ahsoka is a frustrating, frustrating character because it allows them to have a character arc. They start in these frustrating places so they can grow. But there's a difference because the Bad Batch isn't frustrating because they're teenagers. They're frustrating to me because they're flat and boring. Like they they're not growing because even by the end of season one, we could see Ezra and, and Ahsoka growing and taking lessons. The Bad Batch are just flat. They're not developing. And the fact that like Hunter is like spending episode upon episode upon episode fighting Echo going, no, we're gonna waffle for the rest of the season. I, I can I I know people like that, but like they have but but, but it's Omega's not reality. Dev- it's a piece of fictional media, which is a cornerstone no, but, of writing. But that yeah, but like when 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 you have characters that you have to write for, you have to write on what those character what those characters parameters are. And and like I mean, you you're definitely seeing Omega like just, you know, growing by leaps and bounds and figuring things out in leaps and bounds. And maybe they want to like show like the wide gap on how quickly she learns compared to them. And, you know, a lot of it might be to do with, you know, they want to really like really want to highlight like Omega was made to learn and grow and maybe Omega has to learn and grow to a certain point where she will be able to, like, you know, bring bring the bad batch along with her. You know, maybe she will develop ahead of them and uh, and and, you know, sort of nursemaid them along into being humans, you know, because they, they you know, they I mean, who knows how equipped they are to become humans in their clothes. We know it's possible because you had Cuthle Quain, you know, d- do it. And he did it like he, he, he sort of left because he was sort of transitioning in that way. But, you know, the bad batch might be, you know, the equivalent of like a roided out bottle bodybuilder where they're really, you know, their, their bodies are just constantly pumping testosterone and, and, oh. and stuff, you know, Here's here's the other issue I have, and it's not just this show. And Devor, um, our friend Devor from A Large Review of the Force, who has been a guest on our show before, he brought this up too on when I shared this note on Twitter. And 
you know, we're, we got so used to, like, Clone Wars, Rebels, and Resistance, and, like, I would say, like, Rook One, and, and like, you know, like, up to, up to the point of The Last Jedi, where they were doing these really, like, character-driven stories, and then Lucasfilm got scared, and then everything since then has been very plot, oh, plot, yeah. plot, 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 and I posted this note, and he wrote, you need to control C, control paste, uh, you need to copy paste this same note when it comes to the book of Boba Fett too, because this is exactly the same problem of the book of Boba Fett, where like no one's really having conversations and they're hinging their their the coolness carrying things on the cameos, and I love Captain, and I, I will talk about Captain in a minute and how why I like him and love him and stuff like that. But the same problem here where. In Book of Boba Fett, where they're, they're just so focused on these, like, plot-driven stories where the characters are just kind of there. And it's all about the cameos showing up to carry the show. And that's what we're having. Like, we've already had Finnick show up, and now it's Cad Bane, and they're both going to be back next week fighting each other. And, like, we've had Tarkin, and, like, we keep having, like, Saul Guerrera and Rex, and Cut McQueen. And, like, these cameos are cool but they're so and we started seeing this in like mando season two i would also argue that too but like that because that's a major problem of mando season two for me where you have so many cameos that it takes away from the main characters and i feel that way about mando season two where din and grogu got lost in their own story because we had to have the bo katan episode and the luke episode and the ahsoka episode and like and so like we didn't have the time with like with Mando and Grogu that we had in season one. And it feels like Lucasfilm has done this entire, like, instead of having, like, there's this line of The Last Jedi where everything before that was, like, very experimental and, like, character-driven and, like, trying new things. And everything since has been, like, hey, let's dump out all the toys. You guys like Cad Bane, right? Well... Here he is, and he's doing stuff in two that's shows. That's the problem with your fandom getting popular. That's the that's the problem, and that's and and I blame a lot of it on the fans too, because they clap their hands mm-hmm. like circus seals when they see something that, that is familiar to them, and it drives me nuts. It's and, like it's 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 it, it, the and and uh, yeah, all that stuff gets juiced up with it and like yeah they feel that they have to have to do that to and it is exciting and to to, you know also star wars is just a big fun franchise also so like yeah there's a lot of people who want it just on the level of like put my toys out on the on the table let's go you know i want to i want to see my toys and that's i mean I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not one to judge what's the valid way of enjoying your media, but Star Wars is really stuck in that, and they, and they got to that. I, I think it was, you know, the, um, um, the, the last movie that like just like sealed that like we need to, we need to do something, and we need to like, you know, we're building our the theme park at, uh, around this and we spent all this money on this we have to be safe but in in also being safe they pulled the best people to be safe so it's at least high yeah 
very I high quality. I still want a Lord and Miller save. Star Wars. Yeah. I want a Lord and Miller Star Wars. We might have to. We just might have to be patient. Look, I'm I'm a Star Trek fan, so maybe I have 50 years of learning to be super patient and wait for stuff to wait for, you know, cycles to cycles to to change and stuff and you know once you know i mean that's with with the marvel movies the marvel movies sort of set went into a very started with a very albeit good well done but formulaic way of linking everything together and then once it got so far into it then they started being like oh let's do guardians of the galaxy and let's you know Let's do some that are, you know, of a different, you know, they still fit into the mold, but they were a little, you know, a little goofier, a little more experimental. We had it. We had all that. Yeah, but it wasn't, but it wasn't, but it didn't do what it didn't, it didn't rock people's worlds, you know? No, 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 I disagree with that. I hard disagree with that because it did rock people's worlds but the tiny little minute this the minority of the fandom who are these fandom menace assholes fucking nazi bros were so loud and threatening people and shoving people off of platforms that they got their fucking way and lucasfilm course corrected i I was i was talking more about resistance (laughs) like resistance I'm, was like, I'm looked like about, they were stepping out a little bit and then it no, didn't. No, no. I, I have my own tinfoil hat theories about resistance, but I'm talking about the line of everything that was pre Last Jedi and everything since. And like, we yeah. had it all and then it was ripped away from us. And now we have these boring shows that are flat and rushed. And I'm hoping Kenobi corrects that because everything I've seen about Kenobi so far makes me excited. Because I think it's actually going in a much better old direction that I of show of things that I love, but I also don't have like the last several shows like this one, like that, like uh, Boba Fett, like Rise of Skywalker. They're so flat. the The fact that the most exciting thing in the last year was Star Wars Visions to me, because it really went on a fucking limb and did its own thing and was balls crazy. Yeah, like, that's great. And so, like, it's, it just yeah. makes me mad because, like, these oh, dude bros were so fucking loud that they, well, like, and, and, like, they, they were bad. Like, they were bullying Lucasfilm employees and they made them think that they were important when they're actually the minority I, out there. I don't know about, because I don't think, I think, uh, well, the bullying and stuff like that was was awful. But I think that, like, when it all came down to it, like... Even even the the last star that last Star Wars Rise of Skywalker made a shit ton of money. You know they all made. It's just like Zack Snyder. A lot of I'm I'm a Zack Snyder hater, and you know a lot of people. You know there's a lot of toxicity around Zack Snyder movies. They always make a ton of money, so they 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 keep making them. But I think I think they bungled. The, I think Disney, like at the core, is what who. However, it was decided because it because when they started the sequels, they started them out safe with the first movie and it worked. And then the second movie, they said, let's let's 
exper- I mean, that director, he's he's known for for being subversive and being and taking stuff in odd directions and doing exactly what he did with the last Jedi. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. when he has a, his own his absolute own movies, he does it even worse. They hired him for that. And I th- and and I think the big mistake with that is they they did they they their their plan was hire someone safe and then have two people that are experimental afterwards, and then the third person the uh, that they that they were having you know after the first one his script was super weirdo <laughs> you know and he had a really bad movie that that he made that was very experimental and edgy and weird and they were and and then the reaction i i i don't think they i think they should have started out a little bit more safe and toy boxy and then and then worked it into the more experimental and and the but the real reason it didn't work out is they didn't plan it out they planned it out like theoretically Oh yeah, we'll we'll you know we'll go safe, then we'll go experimental and experimental, and we'll able be able to take Star Wars into, you know, new directions and stuff like that. But they didn't plan the story. They didn't get the filmmakers together and like go like let's make this trilogy a cohesive whole. I think they I think it was like a lazy decision to go like hey we'll just do it like a a game of phone book you know. We'll let we'll let these we'll let we'll hire these directors that we know are, you know, very competent, you know, talented directors. You know, I'm I'm speaking as a Disney executive, not as my own opinion of J.J. Abrams. But, you know, J.J. Abrams has a lot of success and wants has wanted to do a Star Wars movie all his life. We'll hire these people and just, you know, they're, you know, they'll just genius it through and they'll work off each other and come out with something amazing and that's not how you make a trilogy of movies <laughs> that that are supposed to make sense and then they and then they had to course correct and all the while they were doing this that you have that toxic fandom just waiting to like you know it's at this point it's a cottage industry you know it's it's a lot of those people don't, you know, they don't even care. They're just, they just know that there's a shitload of money to be made off people. And, and so anything that happens is going to get just like put under the microscope. And yeah, they, they bungled those first three, those three movies. And solo. And, 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 and solo. So, I mean, so, yeah, so, solo, because, like, like, like solo was I, supposed was going a lot weirder and more and they had to they started it right from scratch yeah because um like lord and miller have said like their movie was not going to be fan service and i was like yes thank you thank you okay, like, that's, the thing. Like, I, that's fan service to me is not having fan service that's that's yeah. when that's when i feel like pandered to is when like you do so when you when you don't do that stuff when you're doing something new and in, or interesting or you know or 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 just yeah yeah like and because I to, to, to kind of bring this all back like to to because I, I do want to talk about Cad Bane because I do love Cad Bane and I like him in this episode but I'm like if you remove Cad Bane from this episode and just like look at if you remove all the cameos out of Bad Batch because like we're about to have like 
two episodes, and this is very Book of Boba Fett of them, about to have two episodes about Hera. One of them that the Bad Batch is only in it for like two, like three minutes. The rest of the episode is about Hera. And it's not even about the Bad Batch, and like, which is very Boba Fett of them. Like, I like cameos. I do like, and I, I might sound like a hypocrite, I do like cameos in Star Wars, but I like them when they don't take away the main characters of their series. And so, like, I hate that the best episodes of, of Book of Boba Fett were the two Mando episodes. Instead of, like, giving, like, a couple extra episodes to let Boba Fett, very, like, really simmer. And the fact that there's an entire episode. I love Hera Syndulla. She's one of my favorite characters of Star Wars. But, like, the fact that there's an entire episode and a half about her and not about the Bad Batch in the middle of their own series? It's such a weird choice. And it feels like they yeah. want to just play with these toys. At this and point, like, at this point, I've given up on uh, on that, and I'm I'm just like, if they're telling a story of Hera, there's a reason it's gonna come. You know, it, I'm 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 I. They're they're obviously glopping it all together. So it's like, okay, you have I, a show, and and, and a mind, lot of this is marketing, you know. And I, and I don't I don't mind cameos when they're done well. And like I I always fall back to Rogue One, except for the two Cantina guys. Like we don't count them. That that they they actually disprove my point. But like to me, like Rogue One is the canon gold standard, where you have like yes, you have like Bail Organa, you see Chopper, you have Mon Mothma, like you have these characters. But at this core, it never takes away from the Rogue One cast, because it is about them and their story. This is how canon should function. Uh, Season one of Rebels, yeah, you have Lando, you have C-3PO, and you have R2. Season two, you get Leia. But it never takes away from the core, like, Star Wars Rebels cast. Leia has an entire conversation with Ezra, but it's about Ezra's parents and his choices, and she pushes him to make his choices as a character. And, like, so, like, when I see these, like, shows, like, I love Cad Bane. I really do. I will talk about him in a minute. <laughs> but, like, it drives Those... me crazy that, like, you, like, now we're getting these stories, like, post-Last Jedi, where it's like, here's the cool cameo of the week that's going to completely de- derail the ca- main characters of their show. Let's go. There's, and it's maddening. It's, it's going into the Marvel Universe where, it, where I mean, Rebels and, and Resistance were the last two shows, all the other shows before that, too were all internally, their characters were, it was all development internally to in, develop this, that series. It was, it was a, you know, it, 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 it touched on the, the greater, the greater galaxy and the, the, that story and stuff, but they were making, and now they're making all the shows to build into the, this large interlocked franchise, you know, it's like the, it's like the Thor. It's like the the third Thor movie was was basically at that point they don't want to do they didn't want to do another Hulk movie so they they made it sort of a Thor and Hulk buddy movie you know and, and all I of a sudden, don't the Hulk- mind that because at the at its core it didn't take away from Thor's story you know right. right. it supports Thor's story right. of what he's going through because it's still at its core a Thor and Loki movie and like Hulk being there affects Loki. 
Hulk being there affects Thor. And at the corner and the center of the movie, yes, Hulk is there. He's a main character, but it's still pushing Thor as a character to do things. And that's the point. <laughs> and I don't, I think if you remove all the cameos out of Bad Batch to bring this all back, if you remove all the cameos out of Bad Batch, Hunter, Wrecker, Tech, Echo, Omega, and Crosshair are not developing and being interesting enough to carry their own show. That is my problem with season one of Bad Batch. That is essentially my problem is they're not doing their job as characters. They're not doing their job as writers to develop these characters to carry their own show. So they have to rely on the crutch of cameos. See, I don't think that's, that, I don't, I, that's I, my I, problem. My, 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 well, that I, my theory on that is is that like they those cameos are not them going like oh shit we have to do a cameo now i imagine there's a there's a bunch of executives going like look you guys got to work some familiar faces in here you know we we need we need this many familiar faces and then they have to figure out how to get them in there that's that's my guess is how it's going down it, because it, it's I don't it's hard to imagine that because the executive producers are like Brad Rao and Jennifer Corbett who worked on Rebels and Resistance. The, they, they are, are the, the executives. They are the, they are the executive producers on the show, but those executive producers have to go. That's the thing about working for Disney. Eventually, at Lucasfilm, the executive producers had to go to George Lucas, you know, and. And and, you know, the executive producers are procuring the money and making sure that, you know, the show comes out and here, you know, here's the money. You have this much budget with, you know, whoever's commissioning that in this case, Disney wants this and this from the show. Those those executive producers are going to a bunch of Disney executives who probably have only a vague sense of what star wars is <laughs> they they are they are executive this is this is it's why where... warner this is this is why like this is why the marvel movies are kind of a minor miracle coming out in uh, out of such a corporate uh, not that they aren't corporate but I, I disagree because we I, we have Rebels. It's one thing to have Clone Wars. That was under Cartoon Network. Like, that was a completely different beast. But we have Rebels, Rebels that was, was under a different, different, um, different financial, from, from, from a Disney exec's point of view, Rebels was in a, Rebels was still when they were like, okay, let's try some stuff out. And Rebels was fairly, fairly safe. And, you know, we got to have some Star Wars characters in there. But it was being made pretty much in the same Say I, I, it had that same sort of like yeah they were letting the Filoni crew just sort of work on it now but this so you're saying the difference is cable and Disney Plus like that's what makes the difference no I'm saying I'm saying ever since Book of Boba Fett now Disney's now Disney's looking at the TV shows and going like and thinking of the TV shows more like the movies as being their main this is this is where Star Wars lives is in weekly TV shows. As so, so we're not doing Disney a good Plus. job of the the movies are not you know, the movies are making us money, but what's getting people excited are the TV shows, and so so, so and then so Disney Plus. Like that, that's and, the thing. Like yeah, you're saying, yeah. like, well, it's, it's just Disney. Disney. It's just Disney. Period. Yeah, Disney Plus because is like, just the eventual. That's just technology and stuff moving forward, and 
and all that. But like Disney, when I say Disney, I mean like the executives of the the men in the boardroom above Brad Rao and the executive producers on Lucasfilm. Those guys are going like, you know, to themselves are like, our movie's got a drubbing and, you know, but this book of Boba Fett made everybody go fucking ape shit. And, you know, Mando going ape shit. Like, I, I don't know. Do you mean Mando go ape shit? Mando, Mando. And the, and, okay, and, I was about to say, because yeah, people did not like Book of no, Boba Fett. No, but, but, you know, Mando, you know, they, I mean, Mando was just, Mando was the first bona fide Star Wars hit for Disney. The Star Wars that people, that like all of a sudden everybody, everybody, even the, you know, a lot of the toxic people, like, you would see their videos and they'd be going like, I like this, <laughs> you know? And, and they, they, they noticed on Twitter that everybody was combing over all the little details and stuff. And they said, aha, here we are. This is, so, so yeah, we got to develop arguing, this. And, and essentially when what you're a, arguing is the difference between cable and Disney plus, because, because rebels, is under the Disney thing, like if like it like Rebels is the show that stands against everything you're saying, and if, it was successful because it wouldn't be getting multiple spinoff shows like Ahsoka, and we wouldn't be seeing the Grand Inquisitor in in the Kenobi show, and wouldn't be getting Thrawn eventually if Rebels well, I wasn't mean, a yeah, success. Yeah. I mean, we're we're talking Dave Filoni here. Yeah, I mean, it was successful because they. I I think with the Mando, they finally realized that like, oh, this Dave Filoni guy is putting what like, and that's that's the thing. We though. have it's to throw like, John Favreau in there too because his name throws a lot of weight in this. Well, his yeah. I I personally look at this as John Favreau came in, and John Favreau's like, like on a pretty higher professional level you know john favreau's a a really good director of all different kinds of movies and probably wants to continue doing that but loves star wars and it looked i mean the whole thing looked to me like favreau came in and was favreau was basically watching the whole thing just like us going this dave filoni guy knows what he's doing this day hey this dave filoni and like he went and like he went in there and like like I'm gonna grab I, this word has gotten ruined. But he groomed Dave Filoni for you know he's like, get him in there, get him in associated with me, you know, because I've got you know I've got some some, you know some weight in the industry, and we'll get him learning that like, like, not I mean Filoni knows what he's doing with what he's doing, but you know, shooting a live action show is a totally different world. So we'll get him in, we'll get him in there and start and I'll, you know, work along with him and, and, you know, and move him forward. But that's what's happening. I mean, and now people know Dave Filoni's name, you know, and, but at the same time, Disney's a corporation and they're, they are, they are not always consistent with like, you know, I mean, like, sometimes they they do great with like Pixar movies, and other times, you know, Star Wars is such a big when when things are such a big franchise like Star Wars, you get all these fucking executives who don't know anything about anything but pushing money, 
and they, but they all want it once something gets big they all want to have their fingers in it they all want to be able to say like oh i made a suggestion that made the you know uh, we we all made suggestions and now it's a big hit that's a big risk too because they bungle it a lot of times and they'll ruin shit but they'll just play then you can blame that on the 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 directors and, and writers and stuff that's part of the reason why our house got ended early like season three got like totally shortened because of i'm sorry what was the reason oh yeah they didn't like it being so serial but it was really just because it was super gay Either, but, e- either, either way, that's the risk of working for, for huge, huge conglomerates. You know. Well, I'm gonna bring all this back because we're now we're just going back and forth. But I mean, I I don't care if people agree with me or not. Like, this is my problem with the Bad Batch season one. I'm gonna talk about this probably for the rest of the season. That this is my fucking problem with Bad Batch season one is I don't believe the 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 what six main characters are developing or interesting enough to carry their own show, so they have to rely on the crunch of cameos. And cameos, that's still time away from the main characters. That's my problem with season one. And it, in the entire season is very flat to me. That's my problem. To bring this all back. Hey, let's talk about how much I love Cad Bane. <laughs> he's, he's great in this, but it's a... <laughs> it's a glorified cameo, but... It is. I, I mean, and, when I the, when I saw this the first time, I was just like, yes, because oh, yeah. like, yeah, you, you're glad to have him back. And like this and the voice the actor, studio. he really goes in too. he Boy, just like is, is enjoying the and, hell and out he, of and even Seth Green. Seth Green is so delightfully evil as Toto. And like, I know I'm being like a little bit of a hypocrite now because like I just went on that like huge like 20 minute tangent. But this is a cameo that works for me. The Hera, the Hera episode and a half is a cameo that does not work for me. And that's to me, is the difference. Is this is pushing not only Hunter's story, but Omega's story, and it's and it's pushing it into next week. Because we actually, this is the catalyst that lets us learn more about what's happening with Camino and stuff. So this is a cameo that works for me, and that's the difference. Um, but I, I love this. Like, the music, like... Like the final four minutes of this episode and the standoff are probably the some of the best moments of the season. And I I love how the entire thing is set up from like the stormtrooper helmet and the slow build of music. And you hear that music before you even see his face and you know exactly who it is. You know who it is. And it's and when I saw Toto come out too, and I was just so happy to see him, like I was pet sitting. I didn't remember exactly where I was. I was pet sitting at the time I was watching this. And I just turned and I'm just like, Piper, do you see this? And I like started hugging a dog. And I was like, Piper, it's Cad Bane. And Piper was is this beautiful, adorable boxer. And she was just like, I'm excited because you're excited. And it was just, it was a moment. I had this moment with this dog. And I, I love this scene. It, I I still get chills when I watch it, and it's one of those moments of like, did, would they actually would they actually kill Hunter? And like that was like, and that's where I agree with you. I kind of wish they cut it off with like him stunning Omega, and like that was yep. the end of the episode to leave that cliffhanger of, oh my god, would they actually kill Hunter? That would have been a bananas week on Twitter. Like that would like if if somebody was just smart enough, they would have cut it there because that would have been a 
fucking bananas yeah. week on Twitter. And it's the music to the silhouette, what to the lighting, the lighting of Cad being silhouetted by the Marauder while Hunter is silhouetted by the natural light. And just like, but it cast them in like these like weird like lights and shadows to like Omega trot, like Omega's like screaming and passionate. And it's like, it's so good. I love this scene. And it's, it's, it's the best part of the episode for me. And I hate that the best part of the episode is not even about the Bad Batch. <laughs> it's about Cad Bane, and I love it. But I also is my problem of the show. So that's all I have for Act 3. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hope has a deadline she needs to write on, so she's got to go. <laughs> we got to move. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I do. I know. I, I know uh, I know, like, I, I was ranting for a long time, but, like, it really is my sticking point of the show. It really is. So, people don't have to agree with me, so. Hi, Chris. What are your final thoughts of the episode? I liked it a lot. Um, I, I agree that season one is kind of flat, but I, it wasn't the, it, it wasn't the characters, it was just sort of it is as much, but I really enjoyed this. This episode was just visually in Star Wars visual um, crack for me. You know, it's a junkyard battle through a junkyard in Cad Bane, and it looked beautiful. And uh, yeah, it's I a was, gorgeous episode. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, I gave it a nine. Wow, really? Yeah. It would have wow. been 8.5, but Cad Bane probably pushed it into the 9. <sighs> okay, here's the thing. I have two thoughts. The Cad Bane element is what really elevates this this episode for me. And without it knowing also what happens the rest of the season, it's just fine. They don't do anything with Crosshair's injury. They don't do anything with him being fucked up. And it's they keep having all these half conversations that could be really interesting, like a great setup for Tech and Omega to have this really poignant conversation about war and how it affected the Bad Batch that they just don't have because plot, they have to move the plot. And it's, it's without Cat, I would have probably given this episode like a seven because it would have just been fine. It would have just been a fine episode of Bad Batch. Because, yeah. But I do have to count the Cad Bane stuff. Which I really do love. I love this character. I love the shootout. I love my baby boy, Toto 360. And just, like, his dramatic, like, little, like, Oh, you shot my leg off! And he's all drama, like, on the floor, like, holding his leg. And then he immediately picks up his leg and uses it to bludgeon Omega. Like, this is what I love about Toto 360. He's a little drama queen one second, and then an evil little shit the next. This is what I love about these characters. So because I have to cap the CAD stuff in it, it's an 8.5. But without them, it would have been an easy 7. Like It's it funny because I had the higher score, but my CAD Bane didn't bring it up as much. Yeah, like I, I love CAD and Toto that much. 
that it carries the episode that much for me, which really shows how much the stuff without them really didn't carry the episode for me. Because, and maybe I should just let go of like the things I want to see. Like, and that's the thing. And maybe, like, it's, I want this might be a world building series and not a It might a be a world building series. series. You know, like, maybe, like, the fact that Crosshair was horribly fucked up and that could have done a bajillion and 12 things with his character and they chose not to. Maybe that's their choice. Maybe that's the choice they wanted to go. But like me as a we fan, we don't know I... where it's going. We don't know how much they got mapped out. There might be a there might be a reason for it. It might be a flaw. Like I, I think I, I what just, scares just from... me. I think what scares me is that we're gonna have another resistance where it's gonna be just like another twofer and then they're done. And if it's another twofer, then they better fucking move these characters in season two. I, they I better I think... move. I think by now, if it's gonna be a two, if it's gonna be a twofer, the I I think when they do stuff, I I think now like shows might not just get canceled because they're not as popular because they're going to link into other stuff, and they're going to also fill up Disney Plus with content and that and if stuff that like if say the bad this is how I would sell it. I would say if, okay, if people think the bad batch is lagging, but then it introduces this one character or this one plot element that becomes a big, big deal. And another thing then all of a sudden, you know, the bad batch is going to be a, a hot item on, you know, that's the thing is you're putting stuff out forever now. And uh, which we've sort of been doing a little bit of for a while, but with streaming services, it's like, you could put something out, it could be a slow burn, and if it takes off in its fourth season, all of a sudden people are watching the first three seasons again to see if they miss, uh, you know, or, or to see that character when he first showed up or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling, yeah, that, that they have a, that they probably, but they probably do have some sort of lifespan, like maximum lifespan planned with the show. And I'll bet you after Resistance, they probably have several different plans on how to. I've talked (laughs) about what happens if it only becomes a two season show, you know, I I think like and I've talked about this on the show before. But if if you're new and you didn't listen to our Resistance coverage, like the shortened version is I personally think Resistance got fucked by cable and that it was the holdover show between Rebels and Disney Plus. That's my that's my theory is because cable's a dying thing. And so they had this two season like holdover show because cable's a dying thing. And they knew that Disney Plus was about to launch and season seven of Clone Wars was the flagship show. What one of the flagship shows with Mando. That and, and I, I talked about that for length uh, at length when we were talking resistance. And like so like resistance is a show that got fucked over by situation in my eyes. Because Cable's dying and they needed something there because of contracts because Disney still had... So I don't know why. And I know this because Matt Braley, the creator of Amphibia, has talked at length about this on Twitter. About how Disney has contracts with cable networks and the creators don't understand it because Cable's dying and they don't know anybody. Matt Braley said to in a tweet, I don't know anybody who watches my show legally anymore. Because they're young, because they're young, <laughs> and the people at Dis- there's people at Disney who are old and still don't. You gotta pry them away, usually by burying them in the ground, as to like that cable. You know, 
cable's going away <laughs> as as the powerhouse you know but cable is also still it's still hanging on with because there's because we've got baby boomers which were one of the largest generate which were the largest generation up to that point so there's still a lot of baby boomers who still watch their cable and and stuff i like whenever i go someplace and cables played on a tv it's the most foreign weird thing because i haven't watched cable in uh, oh well over a decade and and but there's a lot of people who are like in their 60s and 70s who like are just like whatever there's the you know internet is probably facebook to them and and cable tv is where they watch stuff on tv but that wasn't the that's that wasn't the target audience of of resistance at all but like you yeah know. and you essentially just describe my dad the only reason we still have cable in this household is because my dad because your dad watches cable it's familiar yeah. you know it's got yeah. commercials and it's it's you know it's all the the networks doing their their thing and it's that format and stuff that old dead format that it's just like how can you get away with showing me so many ads <laughs> you know yeah it, absolutely it, it, it's yeah but the, it, it's 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 gonna die hard you know it's it's gonna die hard mm -hmm. so anyway as always we'd love to hear your feedback on itunes twitter or on the teacher freaks facebook page this week our feedback comes from our facebook page for our episode the mando lorian season one recap and i made sure i almost put the aftermath feedback for the first episode of bad batch but i saw my notes and i was like this is gonna be a fucking long ass episode all right so uh the first and only one comes from aaron henley it says a surprise that helped reinvigorate my love for star wars after being hurt so much with rise of skywalker season two couldn't have come soon enough for me Ugh. Everything I said about Bad Batch, you better bet your bottom dollar. I'm going to mention when we get to Rando Season 2. <laughs> and Book of Bubba Fett. Hey, Candy! I need Candy I, right now. I, 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 I've gotten to the point, and I shouldn't be because I'm getting old, but I'm getting to the point where I just fucking roll with it. You know, I just roll with it. It's out of my control. If I'd wanted to work in the industry... I would have definitely targeted myself at Star Wars and then I could then I could be like, well, maybe I could have had some influence. Uh, maybe I could have been Dave Filoni or whatever, but I chose not to do that and probably wisely because I, I think if I was working for Disney, I would go. I, would, I, I don't know if it would work for them or me. So. <laughs> Like, I just roll with it. I, I hope for the best. And I know that, like, we've reached the point in Star Wars where there's going to be duds, you know? And, uh, I, and I don't see. And, I don't I, and to me, there's only been one real, uh, like, there's been duddy episodes, a few duddy episodes of the TV shows. But the only dud that's been for me was The Rise of Skywalker. And, like, and, you know, I just, I can't let it be like affect affect me in a way that's like oh well i'm done with star wars i'm just no, i just like, i just i'm not, I'm not there i'm not i'm, I'm not, rolling my eyes and i'm not to a place where i'm done with star wars i'm absolutely not and i'm being the reason i'm being so uh, critical is because the reason i'm being critical is i want this to succeed and i love it so much 
But when I'm seeing the same problems getting repeated and fans saying, hey, these problems are repeated, and then I'm seeing other animated shows succeeding so well and blowing Star Wars out of the water easily. Like in entertaining I, you, but the, but there's my, but those 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 shows also have the added luxury of being all on their own with no baggage that that isn't just their own. Maybe not like just in, like when I'm okay. Like take me out of this. When I'm seeing these shows winning multiple awards, yeah. and Star Wars shows not even like when Bad Batch is not even getting nominated in the same category because as it's major like as other animated shows, then it's also failing critically. Well, because it's 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 Star Wars owned by Disney. Amphibia is yeah. is something that they created. I mean, Star Wars is something that somebody created, but you know, the the amount of baggage, lore, and you know that Disney inherited with it, and then has to has to add to. And like, and and it's this. This is a basic lesson, I think, in 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 the difference between independent filmmaking and and corporate-led filmmaking. George Lucas had to sell his product to, like, say, cartoons, but it was George Lucas's. George Lucas was an independent filmmaker. He made his movies independently and sold them to like 20th Century Fox or whatever. But 20th Century Fox didn't go like, no, George Lucas, you can't do this. 20th Century Fox said, oh, you got a new Star Wars movie. You know, that is that's an independent film. George Lucas was the the signed off on everything on this. And now that Star Wars belongs to Disney, it's it's. And it's and you can tell Disney will do experimental stuff with new stuff. They ain't going to do something very experimental with Mickey Mouse. As a matter of fact, everything with Mickey Mouse is kind of bland. And the same thing happened. The same thing happened to goddamn Bugs Bunny. You know, once, you know, when Bugs Bunny was like the, the, the Warner Brothers mascot, all of a sudden he became, you know, like a very respect you know like a respectable character type of thing that wouldn't do anything too sketchy like he used to do and and or show too much personality or anything because they're just and star wars is in that huge thing where disney disney sinks too much money into it to be truly too experimental or what you know whatever they're they're they are trying to juice it for money you know I did well, not. I need. To, I need to move away, Chris, because I'm about to like. I could go off about sugar. something else. Well, well, no, sugar. no, like, no, no, because like. That's well, the, the good thing, news like, is, no, is. Let me fucking let me finish the conversation. <laughs> because like that's not true. Mickey Mouse has recently had this series of like seasonal shorts where they're incredibly experimental, and like Mickey's kind of an asshole in them, and they they change and they're violent, and like they so they have changed Mickey Mouse. And I'm like, well, why that's is a Star that's Wars a recent development because the last forty years of Mickey Mouse, they they wouldn't even do like I know. things featuring and, Mickey and Mouse. I think that's like I I keep seeing like Rebels, and I keep coming back to Rebels, and I'm just like, 
it was so good and it was so amazing and like I see that badge and it's so fucking safe and it's maddening. I need to eat, I need to eat chocolate. <laughs> this is from Israel. Thank you, Dario. <laughs> I have no idea what it what it's called. It's all it looks like ooh. I would love to hear people sound off on this. Like, I would love to hear people's opinions and, and yeah. It looks like it's like oh this right, the picture it's on it crumbling. looks like it's, it makes it look like it's the center of like a of a um, Butterfinger bar, but it's, it's the chocolate. So that's, it's like this dry. It's just this piece of striated crumbly chocolate. It looks like a stick, like mm-hmm. a piece of wood. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this is exactly what my brain needed right now. I think it's made to crumble because I think it's made for each little piece to just sort of melt. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just it's so we know. Some of the lighter and milkier chocolate we've had from Dario. Mm-hmm. His, we actually don't know what it's called because he says, it's Israeli candy in a brown and yellow wrapper with Hebrew writing on it from Israel. So we actually don't know what it is. If my stepmom was still awake who is taking Hebrew, maybe she could have read it, but she's probably there's, asleep by now. Because we're late. There's like... At first I was going to say cinnamon, but it's definitely not cinnamon. I just taste like pure chocolate, but like that really good chocolate that they make out in that area. I, I, I'm tasting... the Turkish chocolate. I'm tasting a, oh like some sort of spice, some sort of... Um, like some something in the like clove nutmeggy sort of area, but it's not cloves or nutmeg. Mm. I can't put my finger on it; it's driving me nuts. But it tastes delicious. I'm just trying to come down from my anger high, and I'm just devouring <laughs> this. I'm not even trying to like dissect it. I'm just like I need chocolate because I'm in a mean, mad place. I I'm sorry, like Chris. I love you so much, and it's definitely not you. It's just show. It makes me mad. Oh, I don't take it personally. I know you don't. <laughs> I don't eating chocolate. I don't give a shit. I know, I know. But bad I just wanted the bad badge. It just has a little spice to the show, you know? I, I guess, yeah, I, I guess for me it's just like... It gives us a running theme. <laughs> I don't... When, when I see, like, something like Rebels that's so experimental and pushes the boundaries, pushes the boundaries to the point where it has spinoff shows coming... I can't see Bad Batch doing a spinoff show. And it's, I don't want Star Wars just to be like pew, pew, pew. I want it to mean something. I, and Bad I, Batch just doesn't mean anything to me, you know? I agree. If Bad Batch has a spinoff show, it's it's going to be a character that we haven't met yet. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be or, like or a side Omega. character or that Omega. Be, Huh? Or Mega. Omega could oh, be. Oh, we'll, we'll, Omega. Ome- Omega may not have a show of her own, but Omega will be a, probably a, a character who factor. I mean, she's gonna factor in Boba Fett somewhere. Yeah. I'm gonna put money on it now. Boba Fett's gonna show up as a cameo and gonna derail the show, and it's gonna be about him. Put money I don't have on it. That would be very funny, though, that Boba Fett took over someone's show after the Mandalorian. Maybe they have this whole thing where they're like, we're going to have, I'm sorry, I'm chewing chocolate. I'm chewing chocolate. That's um, fine. What you doing? Chewing chocolate. I, I think get it, it? 
Right? He's not even letting me finish my joke. I'll finish your joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What you doing? Chewing chocolate. Where'd you get it? Doggy dropped it. One of the first jokes I learned. <laughs> um. Now I don't I, remember what I was talking. That's okay. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll I did that to myself. Gonna... I I think for me, like, I think if Star Wars wants to go the Marvel route, then they need to promote it like Game of Thrones, where it's like, hey, everything's connected, and they need to promote mm. it as such. But like, they're not promoting any of these as the Marvel or the Game of Thrones route, where like everything is just connected with each other. They're promoting them as individual shows of just like these are going to be su- super important on their own. As always, we would. Well, I think yeah, yeah. I I just don't think they're confident enough to to commit to no, to that yet. And it's obvious, it's obvious, and I think they got to fill a few so... more vaults full of money before. And now they're yeah. scared again because people are complaining about Book of Boba Fett. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and they're also scared because of like the don't say gay stuff because I've heard things about Lucasfilm. <laughs> And that I, I can't talk about. And it's just one of those things that I'd well, just like. I mean, I I just take it for granted that I don't know what you've heard about Lucasfilm, but I just take it for granted that it's kind of universal it, it, when you get into any kind of business structure that's big, you know? You just, it's it's been ingrained in our society and a lot of the... People that it's ingrained in are are working in are ingrained in big businesses, so that still has that aspect of, you know. Give me another resistance in a day, and I'll be a happy camper. I will take for every Good bad luck. batch. It for every bad batch we get, I will take another resistance. And yeah. if I if I had that balance, I will go through like twelve bad batches to get a resistance. I mean, I need it. I need, I need it. Anyway. Ooh. This is reminding me of when there were three Star Trek shows on the air at the same time. There, I, <laughs> Actually, there's more now, but I mean, like, with, during the next generation, where there, all of a sudden there were, like, three three Star Trek shows all sort of running concurrently, and and it was, like, almost, almost too much to the point of, yeah, and... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what their 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 corporate plan is, but I I I'm I still enjoy it. There, I mean, there's there's stuff that I enjoy more than other, but like I don't know. Yeah, I I, I definitely like of all the new Star Wars stuff that's come out since Mandalorian. I think Bad Batch is like the the one I like the least, but I still like it a lot. So. I'm fairly happy. I'm one of those people. I was happy with Bo- Book of Boba Fett, and I and I was happy with with how it went. I my okay. Here's my thing about Book of Boba Fett. I like all the characters. I like all the ideas. I like all the themes. I like it all. It just needed more time. It's I I compare it to a stew. You can have all the good ingredients, all the best ingredients in the world, but if you don't let the stew simmer for some time, it's just going to fall flat. And 
that's and that's how I feel. I like everything in Book of Boba Fett except for killing the Tuscans, which is stupid and horrible. And we need to get away from that trope. Outside of killing the Tuscans, I love the mods. I love Finnick. I love Boba. I even like Den and Grogu. I even like Luke and Ahsoka. Like I like all the parts. They just didn't have time to mesh. To mesh it, completely. To be, yeah. It needed another episode or two. If it had yeah. another episode or two, it's like Boba gets a raincoat. He's like, I have no idea how to ride it. Two episodes later, he's like running through a most mass espa on a raincoat. Like, yeah. give us the give us the time, and that's that's. I'm hoping Kenobi like rides the train. No, I'm, I I have well, <clears throat> what what the th- one of the things about Boba Fett is Robert. Here, here we go, like, well, we're going long, and <laughs> I can't shut up. Robert I, you know, I've, I've already decided it's 11-11. Make a wish, everybody. Yeah. Make a wish. I'm not writing anymore tonight. We can go longer if we want. I'm kicking back with my chocolate. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I got stuff to do, too, but I'll try to finish it. Robert Rodriguez was involved in Book of Boba Fett. Robert Rodriguez is a is infamously independent, um, fat, shoot fast, improv, and go like it very very of the moment and devil may care and cartoony and that's how book of boba fett ended up being it started out it started out with a nice you know um serious intro and then it turned into a comic book and i was and i was like okay and i consumed it like a comic book i think obi-wan is going to be more formal you know in presentation it's going to be more you know they're 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 getting some like they're getting some major movie you know actors back for that and 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 stuff like that and john williams is like hey can i write more music for this i mean the thing that i care the most about kenobi is all the all the thing, like all the like the rebel stuff. Like I want to see the Inquisitors. I want to see the Grand Grand Inquisitors. There, I want to see. The like, risk, that's though, the thing I care about. <laughs> like the whole thing about Dar- having Darth Vader in it is so tempting, but at the same time, it's like I really, it really like it seems important to me that like Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader did not cross paths since Obi Wan whooped his ass. You know. And you could technically have it in that they did meet in between there, you know, with their dialogue, it leaves room to sort of wiggle into that if you wanted to. I I wish they, I hope they, I hope they don't. I hope it's not, I hope it's like maybe within the force or whatever, but like, or, or, or a, fl- a flashback or dream sequence or something like that. But I really don't want like really real Darth Vader and Obi Wan to like have a have a like, oh they're gonna fight again. I don't fucking want that. I I want it to I want it to be consistent. So there's the risk of that being in there, you know. I, you know what I actually really want the most? Liam Neeson Force Ghost. <laughs> I'd be happy. Yeah, that makes sense. No, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson should have been in a lot more of all of it because Liam Neeson was the first Jedi to like go into that force state where he's like, Hey, I can talk to you as a force ghost. Yeah, he's the one who yeah. busted through that. He should be, he should be a major, he, he, he should be, you know, should have, he's been talking to Yoda. He's been talking, you know, 
he's been talking to everybody. He's been, you know, he's definitely probably been hanging out with, I mean, that's what Obi-Wan was like, you know, going to learn to commune with my master. You know, I mean, yeah, he should, he should be hanging out with Obi-Wan on tattooing every once in a while going, how's it going with the young Luke? You know, you have to be strong. Yeah, I, I, I would be really happy with that. I still, I'm still, I'm still on the, like, I have a, there's a good chance George Lucas might have his his little fing, sweaty little fingers in this. <laughs> I think that I should and then like David. I saw the most in. absurd article on on he wrote a he wrote a theme for Obi Wan. He volunteered. He said, "Can I write?" Oh, a John theme Williams, for, yeah. For Obi Wan, and the article says something like, you know, and and John Williams had, and it's the same article that they whatever the press release they copied it was like John Williams, you know, and. Obi-Wan died in Star Wars, you know, midway through the movie, so he never had a chance to write Obi-Wan's theme. And I was like, mm-hmm. instantly, I call bullshit on that because you're just pretending the prequels weren't there. Okay, the first, Obi-Wan was like a, a smaller character in episode one, but episode two and three were, were all about him and Anakin, and he was a major, he was one of the three leads in both of those movies. And, and yeah, you had plenty of chances to write a theme for it. You know, it would have come in very handy when they were fighting at the end, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, he had a chance to write Obi-Wan's theme. And, and my thing is, is like, I'm more excited that like Natalie Holt, who was the person who did the score for Loki is doing the score for Obi-Wan. And I was like, yes, I love the Loki score. Also, she's the first woman ever to compose a live action Star Wars. Oh, I, yeah. Well, well, that's, you know, I mean, it's we're just getting into the, you know, that she she broke in pretty quick because it's been all John Williams up until Disney. <laughs> and even still, it was John. I, well, John, I would movie. argue John Williams and Kevin Kiner. Because Kevin Kiner carried all the TV shows. Well, yeah, uh, until until Kevin Kiner, yeah, and then it was Kevin Kiner, and there was another guy that was doing stuff with Kevin Kiner too. That would do was doing Kevin Kiner's m- music is more out there for for uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, but there was another then, guy who was doing stuff too, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Although I Mando, look at it. Ludwig, um, some, his last name starts with a G, but I, I don't, I, I can't remember. It's Ludwig something. He did Mando, um, and uh, Boba Fett. I think, I think he did Boba oh, Fett. I, I think, I, yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I, I don't know if he did all the soundtrack like, music uh, to it, but I think he wrote Boba. the theme, Boba Fett's theme music. Fett. And Mark. he, and it was basically copied off. Of, I can't. Uh, he's from like Finland. It or is. Sweden. You're right. It's it's Ludwig Gorison. Um, and he, he did. And, he did it too. And he totally copied it from a like Swedish TV show. There's a, they they showed the opening credits to a Swedish. TV. It was, it was the Boba Fett m- music. We should end this episode. All right. <laughs> Where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. Three hours. Podcast. <laughs> oh Jesus. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook at the Two True Freaks Podcast and the Two True Freaks Cantina. And on the now Elon Musk owned Twitter, uh, which is which is another whole yeah, we gotta stop talking. 
but yeah, and uh, luckily I'm not there. But <laughs> the brave, brave Gene, Gene, the SpaceX machine. Good luck, Gene. <laughs> Good luck to both of us. Good luck in free speech land, Gene. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at JGuys and Jedi on Twitter, at Hope Molinex on Twitter. I'm not going anywhere on Twitter. I've been there for over 10 fucking years. I'm not going. Elon Musk needs to rip it out of my cold, dead hands. I'm not going anywhere. You can also oh, find God, me yeah. over at the Geeky Waffle, where I write stuff. You can see my Matt Braley interview over on the Geeky Waffle YouTube page and on the Geeky Waffle podcast, because it's going to be part of the flagship show. Um, come back next week, where we'll talk about Boba Fett. Not Boba Fett. Well, we'll talk about Phoenix Shand and Cad Bane and... Uh, all that because next week we're going to be talking about Bounty Lost bye everyone thank you for sticking around for what are we at three hours (laughs) Bounty Lost spoiler right in the titles bye everybody bye everybody Jesus Christ visit our website at twotruefreaks.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Roger, roger.